Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Viveratker says in The Independent this morning that he's sick to death of running around the Phoenix Park and would make the case at the Cabinet for gyms to reopen. Within Fine Gael themselves, then, The Independent is saying that members are pushing for the reopening of gyms, but not just gyms, in May, but wet pubs as well to serve outdoors to begin with. And they want that included in the next phase of the Coalition's plans to ease public health restrictions. Of course, we have ministers come along then getting their oar, sticking their oar in. But a lot of the time it's vague and kind of beige. And the tourism minister, Catherine Martin, has said that indoor dining in Ireland is on the horizon. Now, sometimes the horizon can be very far away. It can be further away than you actually think. So what on the horizon means is still kind of gobbledygook to me. I can tell you that the figures on Lee's side are incredibly strong, in fairness. Up to midnight on the 19th, there were just nine cases of COVID reported in the entire county of Cork. The city, suburbs and county. Nine cases recorded on the 19th of uh, of, of April. Veranker hints, hints that shops may open next month. So it depends on the paper you pick up, to be honest. That's the mail. Uh, the mail also this morning talks positively about a massive consumer boom that will follow this year because of pent-up demand to do what? Well, to spend, apparently, the 16 billion euro that's been squirreled away during lockdown. Not by everybody, but... But for those whose jobs continued and wages didn't decline in any way, shape or form, and maybe they got to work from home on a full wage, so their expenses plummeted. They're the people primarily, I would think personally, that have the 16 billion. Others struggled in the past 12 to 14 months. But apparently they now will turn to spending it. And the mail this morning says that a new car is top of the list. So I hope that the car dealers are prepared for that. Uh, also, you know, the City Hall has began jabbing and uh, they're belting away on that and the papers pick up on it this morning like the Echo is talking about City Hall Vaccination Centre welcoming 65 to 69-year-olds and there are photographs. And of course, doctors have been doing that for quite some time. But into the mix now, according to The Sun this morning, vets, medical students and dentists are all being join, asked to join Ireland's call, if you like, Ireland's army of vaccinators and jabbers. Uh, Why? Well, because Johnson, the single jab, is on the way. The European Union have lifted the uh, restrictions on. They're pretty much saying that the benefit outweighs the risk. But at the same time, then, the mail on its front page (coughs) talks of a vaccine holdup for the over 60s because of a shortage um, of AstraZeneca. And, uh, you know, I tried to grab onto the positive because tomorrow they'll be saying something completely different. So we might as well just deal with the positive stuff. Like, for instance, where they say in the mirror this morning, 70% of all adults will be vaccinated by mid-July. I I know you're probably talking about one jab, but maybe one jab will do it to release many of the restrictions we're under. Overseas, perhaps you watched it live on television last night. I certainly did. And that was the verdict coming in uh, regarding the death of uh, George Floyd. And the white police officer, in fact, some of them say racist white cop Derek Chauvin, was found guilty last night of murdering George Floyd, the uh, 45-year-old Chauvin. Uh, His eyes were just darting around the courtroom, darting to the judge, darting to the jury. But he, he showed absolutely zero emotion. Mind you, it's difficult to express emotion when you've got a mask on. Uh, But I'm just going to take some time on this because um, there could have been absolute hell break loose in America and certainly in Minneapolis if he was found not guilty. And it, it was right, I believe, personally speaking, 
that he was found guilty. You you couldn't argue with the video footage. You just couldn't. But if you didn't watch it last night and heard nothing about it, this is the clip. We've just edited. He was found guilty on three different counts, but found guilty of murder nonetheless. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District, State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Count 1. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 1, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. Same caption, verdict, Count 2. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 2, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Guilty, guilty, guilty. There are other stories uh, locally and uh, nationally that I'll come back to in a few minutes' time from the newspapers, but I just want to swing to one that makes all of the papers. It makes the Irish Times court reports. It makes the Sun this morning where they say man denied bail in dognap case. It makes the Echo this morning, man accused of stealing French bulldog. And indeed, Barry Roach, uh, Southern correspondent for the Irish Times, was in court uh, yesterday for this case. Um, and it's interesting because uh, this happened so fast. I mean, the incident itself happened on April 11th and here we are on the 21st of the month and it's been into court already so Barry Rose joins me by phone Barry good morning Good morning how are you doing? I'm well thank you and this uh, involves a 28 year old 28 year old man who's now been remanded in custody charged with the incident isn't that right? That's right a guy called Michael Malloy he's from Unfile uh, Coolord in Carrie Tool and we heard that he was arrested on um, Monday in, for questioning in connection with uh, this robbery from uh, Dennis McCarthy at Ballincolly Road in Ballyvillan on April the 11th and obviously your listeners will remember that interview you had with, with Dennis and the theft in the robbery of um, Rocco, the French pit bull. Uh, what we heard yesterday was Detective Gardner Brian Murphy. He's a Border Road Guard Station. He gave evidence to rest charge caution and said uh, Malloy, Mr. Malloy made no charge or made no reply to him when the charge was put to him after caution. It's just one charge. It's contrary to Section 14 of the Criminal Justice Theft and Fraud Offences Act 2001 and if it's dealt with in the circuit court, the higher court, then robbery carries a sentence of up to life imprisonment. So that indicates this was the seriousness of the charge. And that was one of the grounds that Detective Gardner Murphy gave for objecting to bail. He then, in the process of supporting that and supporting the state's case, as it were, against Mr. Malloy, said effectively they strength of the evidence was such that they uh, would allege that he was caught red-handed. Uh, he outlined the background that the injured party was out walking with the, his French pit bull Rocco on Ballancolly Road, as I say, when a Ford Focus pulled up. Uh, three men in it and a man jumped out from the rear of the car, seat of the car. The man was armed with a lump hammer, he alleged, and he swung the hammer two or three times at the injured party before grabbing the dog and jumping back into the car and taking off. But he said uh, Mr McCarthy managed to get a partial rage number for the car as a drawback and they traced it to uh, Mr Malloy and that night, that Sunday night, he contacted them and returned the dog. Um, he said as well the state then would allege uh, that they obtained CCTV footage of the car on the 11th at the Exchange Business Park in Churchfield after the robbery and that showed three men getting out of the car including he alleged Mr Malloy getting out with the dog and then he said and this was, was an interesting aspect that they then also the state would allege that they obtained CCTV footage from Mr Malloy's home in Carrie Tool 
That's where I get confused now. You've moved from a Focus to a Fiesta. What's that about? Uh, the state would allege that the Focus was abandoned in uh, the Exchange Business Park in Churchfield. Yeah. And then later that day, uh, Ford Fiesta was seen putting up outside Mr. Malloy's house in Carrie Tour. He got out. This is his own CCTV footage, now the state alleged that they, they downloaded this from. And they say that that CCTV footage is of high quality. And they say that it clearly showed Mr. Malloy waiting till all members of the public had passed by, uh, opening the car. The dog is clearly visible in the car, they say, and he wraps the dog in a blanket, they allege, and takes him into the house when members of the public have passed by. Uh, as I said, Detective Gary Murphy, he reiterated that the Gary took a very serious view of the offence, as was one of the grounds for their objection, and he said it had a huge impact on the, the injured party. For, for the several hours the dog was missing, he said, he described, i.e. Dennis McCarthy, he described the dog as not being just his property, but it was like a child to him, and the hours that he was without the dog, it was like his world had been stripped apart or ripped apart, he said. So Shane Collins said he was uh, Mr. Malloy's um, solicitor and he applied for bail on behalf of his client and he said his client would reject any suggestions that uh, his client had stolen the dog. He said Mr. Malloy had actually assisted Gardy with the investigation uh, by returning the dog uh, and he said uh, that the fact that he was refusing to identify who stole the dog at the time was because there were repercussions for him if he told, and his family, if he told the Gardaí who took the dog so that he was fearful effectively of, of saying who did take the dog, but he returned him, but he denied that he took it himself. Uh, so he was questioned, Mr. Malloy went to the witness box then and said he was willing to abide by whatever bail terms the Gardaí wanted in terms of staying at his home address, signing on daily, abiding curfew and so forth. But he was questioned by Sergeant John Keller, who put it to him that he effectively had no option but to return the dog to Mr. McCarthy on the Sunday night because after Mr. McCarthy put out the appeal for information, it went viral on social media and obviously it was picked up then by yourselves and, and, and other media so that effectively he had no choice. He said when all this happened, it was all over the radio and television so you knew the game was up. Knew the game was up essentially what he said. Uh, but he said, I did assist in getting the dog back for the owner but I deny I was involved in the robbery and he denied that there was any dog visible in the CCTV taken from his house. What did he say was under the blanket? He? he just he actually he didn't say he, he denied it was a blanket. He said it was a bundle of clothes, washing or something, is it? Yeah, well, he just said a bundle of clothes. So that's as far as we know in terms of what he's saying okay. on that. Okay. Uh, he also said that he denied that the Ford Focus seen in the CCD footage in Exchange Business Park was his car, and he said though although it was registered to him, he had sold it earlier on that day before the dog was stolen. I see. So Judge Keller asked him why hadn't he transferred the ownership of the car so to the new owner and he said it was still registered to him because the new owner was paying him for it on a weekly basis. So Judge Keller said, well, so it is your car, so still technically. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Judge Keller said that having heard all the guard objections in the case, he didn't believe it was a suitable case for bail and he remanded uh, Mr. Malloy in custody to appear again at Cork District Court on April 27th. We heard that he was working construction up until Christmas uh, but because of the lockdown that kicked in then, he had lost his job and was now dependent on the pandemic unemployment payment. So he was granted free legal aid by Judge Keller to, uh, in, in the case. So we'll find out more, I suppose, on April 27th, whether it's likely to stay in the district court or whether the DPP feels it's serious enough to go to the higher court or whether Judge Keller will accept jurisdiction to deal with it in the district court. But it wouldn't have been possible, I'm just curious off the top of my head, it wouldn't have been possible for all of this to have been heard and decided upon yesterday, No. No, because uh, 
as the defendant would be entitled to all the guard estate. But they weren't so, ready, okay. They, yeah. Yes, I, I mean, you get 42 days from the time okay. people are charged to present a book of evidence, so uh, that's just the standard practice. Okay. Uh, so it probably will take a couple of weeks, if not months, before it's supposed, this reaches conclusion. So do you know, did the guards contact him? Did the guards contact Malloy first about the allegation, or did he contact the guards first? Um... It wasn't set in court, but from my own inquiries, or I gather, word may have been relayed back um, see, that yeah. Gardy were looking for this yeah. dog and that they had a partial rage for the car. Okay. So, okay. Um, and was yes, Dennis he, McCarthy he was, in court yesterday? No, no, he wasn't. No, yeah. no, just the uh, detective Garda, uh, Brian Murphy, as I say, of Workers Road, DQs, and Shane Collins Daly, and a lot of media and the judge. So there was a, a, a lot of interest in this story, wasn't there? F- I mean, no disrespect to Rocco the dog, but a non- lot of interest nonetheless. Yeah, I was talking to Paul Byrne from Virgin Media afterwards and he was saying, it was, it was curious in terms of what he tweeted and other stories he would tweet about, but he said got a huge response to this. I think stories about animals and pets um, always sort of uh, elicit a big response from people and uh, it's only an allegation at this point, but, you know, the circumstances of this guy out walking his dog at four in the afternoon, broad daylight, uh, you know, uh, sort of respectful area, nothing, and suddenly somebody jumps out of a allegedly jumps out of a car with a lump hammer you know it's the sort of story that has that sort of dramatic impact and I think as I say because it involves a pet um, then yeah it it does more so than you know it's just one of those stories that anything to do with pets or dogs so he's back in court again on April 27th I mean I don't mean to be flippant but would Rocco the pit bull need to make an appearance (laughs) (laughs) well I, I, I suppose I shouldn't speculate, but I mean, I presume one of the things that they would be doing with the car... Yeah, as evidence, part of evidence. ...would be checking it for DNA and fibre and all that sort of stuff. So I presume part of the state's case would be uh, to see his Rocco's DNA in the car. You know, there are hairs from the dog in the car, essentially. Well, he, he couldn't... Get, I he couldn't. Thought it would be one of the proofs that I thought they would need, but uh, I'm speculating there, so maybe I'm going a bit further than... He's before the courts, but I would have thought that would be one of the parts of the case that they would be one of the in the aspects of the case that they would uh, inquire into to see whether or not they could, you know, proving a rock was stolen by people in this car. You know, there's a there's a chain there that the state have. I'm sure that Judge Kelleher might. I'm sure Judge Kelleher might like to meet Rocco, the French bulldog. Well, if, the he's in, if he's listening in, uh, Neil, he's obviously heard your suggestion, so we'll see what happens. On, well, probably won't be April 27th, but somewhere down the road, maybe we'll see whether Rocco makes an appearance or not. Judge Kelleher, do you want Rocco to appear in your court? Text 0868104106. It's the story that keeps on giving. We'll stay in touch on this one. Thanks, Barry. All the best, Neil. Cheers for now. Back after the break. This This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. You bet a couple of texts coming in saying, please clarify what type of dog that Rocco actually is. A French bulldog, not a French pit bull. There is no such thing as a French pit bull. A couple of texts on that. Happy to clarify. Another one then giving me a bit of grief, but that's okay. Uh, It's kind of tongue in cheek, maybe sarcastic. Neil, aren't you so woke? It's brilliant. It's great to hear you talk about George Floyd's criminal past, as in 
not talking about George Floyd's criminal past. Well, the reason I'm not talking about George George Floyd's criminal past because it has absolutely nothing in the wide earthly world to do with how he died at the hands of that cop. None. I mean, if you want to come back and tell me how it's connected to his death and the way he was handled and the way he was dealt with and the way he died, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, lines open. Text 0868104106. Got more potentially dangerous buildings in the city. Two stories related to city buildings. One is uh, the fire crew that are going to Liberty Street at 6 o'clock in the morning yesterday um, because um, of a potentially dangerous building. I wonder what they mean by a potentially dangerous building. It probably means the potential to fall down. And then there's the story of the Echo. Well done to Councillor Mick Finn. He's kept the pressure on Council with regards to Barrick Street and that's resulted now uh, from what would have been a a blight of dereliction in Barrick Street that still exists. But at least there's going to be a little less of it. 32 houses to be built on Barrick Street pretty quickly as well, apparently to begin this week. So great news there. It just goes to show what local councillors do and can do when they put their uh, when they put their um, shoulder to the wheel. Examiner this morning says that regardless of whatever is going on in Cork Airport, although they don't speculate as to where they'd be flying from, Ryanair plans to fly from Cork Airport this summer. Uh, not from the autumn, but certainly across the summer. And um, Sky have released little teasers now of Jim Sheridan's documentary, the, the filmmaker who's made the documentary on Sophie Toscan de Plantier, they've just put up a, a little 15-second teaser. There's not much behind it. We don't have a date as to when the documentary will air. But apparently a Sky source says the documentary is brilliant. Sophie's killer is still out there and he's getting away with murder. No one has paid the price for her death and she deserves justice. So that's what we'll be watching. Also, if you're middle-aged and you're not sleeping seven or eight hours and you're only sleeping six hours, you could have a higher risk of dementia. So get your act together in that regard. And there's an interesting story, just finally in the sun today, involving Miriam O'Callaghan. She's an incredible talent um, and she is very honest in her life. And she said that and she says in the article, one of the biggest and public knockbacks she ever had was not getting the late, late show. Now, she dusted herself down and got on with it. But that interview makes all of the papers today. But buried away at the end of it in an article in The Sun is a quote from Miriam O'Callaghan who says she said that trolls, trolls, keyboard thugs, if you like, trolls are stopping women Coming on prime time, the scrutiny that a woman's appearance gets and the scrutiny that a woman's appearance comes under compared to a man's is intense, nasty and critical. Um, and that is stopping women appearing on prime time because trolls apparently and keyboard thugs comment on their appearance, their makeup, their hair, their beauty, their clothing. And that would never, ever, ever, ever happen with a man. I'd love to know are the trolls male, female or what's the percentage of both. Anyway, those just a few stories for you. That's quite worrying, I think. And also, the death has been announced of Jim Steinman at the age of 73. And of course, he was behind the successful career of Meat Loaf. Uh, he's died at the age of 73. And I have a list of um, Jim Steinman songs. Far be it for me now to play one without asking you guys what you'd like to hear. Um, he wrote songs like I Do Anything for Love But I Won't Do That. He wrote Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. He wrote Silling Dion's It's All Coming Back to Me Now. He wrote Paradise by the Dashboard Light. He wrote Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero. He wrote Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Uh, he wrote lots more besides that. He even wrote for Air Supply that sugary sweet cheesy band who would have hit with making love out of nothing at all by and large Steinman's music was cheesy and saccharine sweet wasn't it most of it anyway 
I'm going to leave it up to you guys to pick the song. So text 0868104106 and we'll play out later on with a Jim Steinman song. It might be... That's enough of that. Or it might be... I actually hope it will be that one, but I'll leave it up to you guys. Text 0868104106 and we'll play out later on this morning with the Jim Steinman song. For all other business, pick up the phone 1850104106. Can I welcome to the show Sarah Catherine Kelly, whose email I read out yesterday morning, but it's always better to chat. And she's living in the UK and joins me by phone. Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Ah, you're you? so good. Thank you so much for coming on. And the beautiful words you had to say about your mammy, Caroline. We were looking for Cork's most missed bar person, and you believe that it would be she. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, my mum has worked in the Court McSherry Hotel her whole life. She literally babysat Billy Adams when he was, that's the owner of the, of the hotel now, when he was a child, um, when it was owned by his parents. So she's really part of the furniture down there. And I'm sure she's really missed by all of the customers and everything. And she'll be back, won't she? she oh, 100%. She'll, she'll never... <laughs> She'll never leave there, really. And while, she was, while you guys were being reared by your mam and your dad, was she at work then as well at was the same my time? Mom. Your mam, sorry. Was yeah. she, so she was your she was doing all the stuff at home and also going out to work. Yeah. Oh, she was doing she was doing the whole thing. Um, I actually remember, you know, growing up a lot of the time. I'd be down there running around the place at the kiddies' discos and everything. Um, so yeah. Was she born and reared in Court Mac herself? Yeah, so all of her family are from Cormac Sherry. Um, Nana Bernie, Paddy, um, all of her brothers and sisters are all down in Cormac Sherry. You know what they say about Cormac, don't you? Oh, yeah, a quiet um, drinking village with a fishing problem. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> Yeah, sure, it's very quiet. They love, they love fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get back? Do you get back often? No, oh my God, that's the thing. So I want the reason why I want to enter in, her into this is because I want her to know how much I miss her, um, and I'm sure everyone else in work misses her too. Um, the last time I was home was when COVID first hit. I did fly back out of kind of panic, um, you know, into the world apocalypse. apocalypse I know. Style. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been back really since then. I flew back then back to London, um, kind of to do acting, and I'm also a teacher, so I was. I've kind of been doing that since, or trying anyway. Yeah. When you say acting, um, any parts? Is it stage or screen or, or what? So screen acting. Um, so I basically, I qualified as a teacher in 2018 and I came over to London to, to do that initially. Um, always kind of wanting to do screen acting. And I did a, a course over in London, um, kind of part-time. And then in 2019, six months before the lockdown hit, I handed in my notice to the school that I was working in, a wonderful school in West London, Cardinal Wiseman. And um, they wished me best of luck to go off and kind of do do acting, you know, audition and... Follow your dream, yeah, yeah. Follow my dreams, exactly. 
um, it was actually really sweet. The kids at the time were like, go on, miss, you can do it. We have your autograph and all that. So you can be the next diary. Cork's Sarah Green <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. But uh, then, of course, COVID hit six months later. I mean, I've done a few small things, a few short times. I've kind of produced my own stuff. Um, but, yeah, COVID wasn't really ideal. <laughs> but you're going to stick to it. You're sticking to the plan. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm actually back in, in Cardinal Wisen at the moment. Um, oh, you're lucky they took you back. <laughs> oh, they're, they're an ama- amazing, amazing group of people, really. Um, the principal, Mike Coyley, he's brilliant. So he welcomed me back. Um, so thankfully, I, I, I have that over here. And it, would um, it be all right for me to ask you, how, how is COVID being treated in the schools, say, by comparison to here? Like, are you guys vaccinated? Are you checked? What, what happens? So, I mean, we are tested twice a week. Wow, really? Um, How does that work? Yeah. So to begin with, in on the 8th of March when we came back, um, all of the students were tested before they came back into the classroom because obviously we wanted to make sure that there wasn't lots of students coming back and bringing the virus and spreading it. Um, and so, so every year group was kind of staggered back in and um, tested. And then once the kids were actually taught to test themselves, so they were given training as to how they can self-test. Um, because it wouldn't be sustainable, really, to continue and, you know, pulling them out of classes constantly to test them. So now we're given test packs and every teacher and student must test themselves. And explain to me how a student would test themselves with this pack. Okay, so basically you have this little test strip um, and you put the solution into this little um, vial and you have to stick the, I don't know what you call it, um, I don't know what it's called, but you have to basically put something back your throat and then up your nose and then put it in the vial and then squirt it onto the the test. It's a swab, isn't it, if you like? A swab, that's it, swab, exactly. Um, So that's what they're doing. Now, obviously, you can't, you can't, like, guarantee that every student's doing this, but the parents are great and they all, they've all agreed that they would help their kids with it as well. So they do it at home, is it? Yeah, they They do it. They bring it in. Um, So they're giving, they're giving the test, the test, um, and they do it at home so we actually can't be sure that they are doing it at home but we just have to kind of trust that they are and that's done twice a week every week twice a week every week and all teachers are do- doing it as well you have to log your results online on the NHS because um, there's no talk of anything like that that never happened here yeah I mean to be honest it does give you a bit of peace of mind because you know that the people that are in school you know Twice a week, we know for a fact that they don't have it. Maybe they might get the, vi- the virus over the weekend, but, you know, come Monday again, they'll be tested again yeah. and they'll know, okay, they have it. So so from time to time, you see students having to drop out, I suppose. Yeah, but then they have online learning. So let's say if they were to, if they were to get, the, get the virus, which thankfully actually hasn't happened in the school of 2,000 students yet. Amazing. Um, okay, so the testing they, is going on, but not. Yeah. But the teachers aren't being, are they being, are they being mandatorily vaccinated? No, they're, they're not, they're not being vaccinated They're not yet. being prioritised. No, there's, there was, a, they were kind of discussed at that, to be honest, by some teachers. I mean, for me personally, I don't mind because I'm only 25. You know, I know, I've, I think I had the virus, to be honest, at the start of the you pandemic. Think? And I, I think I, I had all the symptoms, to be honest, when we were in the first lockdown. Um, so, I mean, I'm not too worried about myself, but I can imagine people who are vulnerable are a bit worried. But all over 45 now um, can approach the NHS and book their, vac- their okay, vaccination okay, now. Okay, okay. So it's very interesting to hear that, that twice a week all teachers in the UK and all students are tested and swabbed 
twice a week. I mean, that's very, very efficient. Well, now, yeah, sorry, is that that is correct? Sorry, that's, that's just in my school, as far as I'm aware, anyway. So I'm assuming it's all schools. Okay, I can certainly I can certainly yeah. check that out. See if that was rolled out. If it was, it was an incredible undertaking. But for you, the rest of your life is getting back to relative normality. You can go places. You can shop. You can go for a pint, get some food outdoors, and sit sit down yeah. with your friends, can't you? Um, well, that was only on Monday that that all changed. We were allowed to go into a restaurant and sit outdoors and have our food outdoors. No more than six people um, in the group of group of people and I, I can't remember it has to be two households or something like that um, I just went with my housemates but did, did yeah, you enjoy it? Really it? Nice. oh my god it was brilliant so like there's lots of parks and stuff outdoors and pubs that are there's actually a pub in, in East London called Howl at the Moon it's run by two um, lads from, from Cork so there is um, Joe Ryan and Seamus um, Travers Howl at the Moon I need to track Howl. them down it's amazing. How at the movie. Actually, they'd, be, they'd love the radio chat, to be honest. I'll find but, um, them. Don't you worry. You haven't been to Soho, seen the pictures from Soho. That's mental. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that is a bit crazy. I actually haven't been there myself in months. <laughs> anyway, listen, stay safe. It's lovely to catch up with you. And hopefully you'll get back sometime in the back end of the summer, maybe, do you think? To the, uh, to the small drinking village with a fishing problem? Oh, God, if I could come back now this summer, it would be brilliant. But I, a bit of me is thinking it could be Christmas. Anyway, you're sending kind, kind yeah. regards and love to your mam and your My friends mom, yeah. and family. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Neil. All right, Sarah, good luck with the acting. Bye. I hope it works Thank out you. for you. Cheers, take care. Bye, bye-bye. There's a Facebook page alerting parents to outbreaks of COVID in Irish schools, but I have no idea if it's accurate and I've no idea who's behind it, but it does exist. There have been a few Cork schools picked out for mention with regards to uh, COVID cases and what have you. But you know what? We are where we're at, where we're at. And when you have numbers like 19 in Cork, uh, sorry, on the, I, I gave you a date of the 19th when the figures were tiny. You know, we'd be getting 11s and 13s and 15s and 17s. Uh, we just need to keep doing what we're doing. And before you know it, um, you know, City Hall is vaccinating now, if that's your thing. And, you know, 69 to 65 year olds and we moved on. I know it's slow. I know it's slow. Uh, but we're well past a million and that's some consolation, isn't it? Anyway, back after the break. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Did a Vox yesterday following the release of stats on Irish drinking habits and uh, hospital admissions over the past 10 years and comparing it to a couple of decades ago. Phyllis says to me, I don't know whether it's male or female, you're boring. Your program is really boring. Stop telling people at Cork what to do. If you want to drink, it's up to us, not you. I mean, have you have you lost your reason if you really think that I'm telling people what to do? I am not. I mean, I am the last person to tell anybody what to do with their lives. I'm just reporting on stories that are making the news. It's a shame you don't find the statistics interesting because it shows you societal changes. I'm not here to be lecturing anybody and I'm disappointed if you think that is the case because it ain't. So if a man or a woman goes out and works hard all week and goes out for a few drinks on a Saturday night, we now all put labels on them. This binge drinking label gives me a pain. What's wrong with people having a social life and forgetting about life's worries for a few hours with their friends? Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But the statistical evidence shows more and more these days problems in the home, particularly with the rearing of children. Uh, when the smoking ban was introduced into pubs, there was a general shift from bar to home drinking, I remember. And then it became a whole cultural change. Also, drinking shots became more the norm and acceptable. And then that means the average young person would seem to drink more now than yesteryear. Um, 
I suppose home drinking means that there's no control with regards to the measures or the amounts or the, the going home time. And of course, shots also introduced a lot more hard liquor that would do damage to the internal organs, I guess. You just need to wake up. Somebody says to me, Phil says, you need to wake up. I'm 59 now, but I recall, perhaps you don't, I recall the day of my junior cert results being served in a bar in town at the age of 16. Well, that certainly wouldn't happen now, Neil, because of the ID rules. Hence, a lot of teenagers drink outside. Just for the record, neither of my parents drank, so it wasn't something I grew up around. Nowadays, it's parenting is the problem. I saw a young lad of about 16 being dropped off in Douglas carrying cans of Heineken. A woman in her 40s was the driver. Teenagers don't give a feck about anything but themselves. No respect, no morals. They disrespect their parents and the guards. It's all about me, me, me. They do what they like and they just don't give a monkey's. Now, you're entitled to say an awful lot of that, but how can you rationalize a parent drop? I suppose I, I kind of understand that maybe you could in the sense that it might have been the mother dropped off the 16-year-old with a bag of cans. cans. Whereas you, as a 16-year-old, uh, on the day of your junior cert results, went in drinking into a bar in town. So not not everything has changed, you know. Some things are the same as they were. Lines open at one 106 And from that then, back to uh, the bar people that we miss and have been missing over the past 12 months or so. Yesterday marked the 400-day uh, of the wet pubs. Oh, I hate saying that. Traditional pubs being closed. I want to hone in on um, the Cotton Ball, for instance. Gundy, good morning. Good morning, Nate. How are you? You're a one-man band. So what That's do you play? Oh, what, what do I play? Yeah, if you're a one-man band, you play oh, yeah. a, a selection of instruments, do you? Well, I do, yeah. Um, bass guitar, electric guitar. Um, I've used tracks and started country music, American country. Like oh, it's brilliant. So you have the backing tracks then? Yeah. Yeah, well, well I don't always use them, but I use But them. you could have a full yeah. band sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Full okay. Band. And you've been doing very little now for the past year, I'd say. Maybe nothing at all. Would you believe it? The last gig I done was the 9th of March, and that was actually in the Cotton Ball. Was the last gig you did was March 12 months in the Cotton Ball? Yeah. And was that, at that gig, was there any kind of worry or thought about what was coming down the track? Did you know it was going to be the last one for a while? No. Um, there was, there was a, a, the news was only starting to come out really at that stage, wasn't it? Um, people were still kind of... Yeah, you know, there was no real warnings as such, was there? You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was the week after then. That it was, I think it was something like two days. We were supposed to be in Mitchellstown um, on the was it on the fifteenth or something like that. Yeah, I was getting close to weekend. St Patrick's weekend. Yeah. yeah, and then it was just shut down, yeah. and that was cancelled. And what did you think yeah. then? I should only be a month or two, is it? Um, yeah, once again, just total duality to the whole lot of it. Um, the gig started cancelling, and then. I know, I know. And is that are you full time at that? Yeah, full time. Yeah. My God, you must so, be itching to get back, though. I am, I am, but I'm, I'm singing away. And, you know, and why, why is the Cotton Ball your favourite? Is it the punters there, the, the 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 customers? It's the whole area. It's it, yeah. It's 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 the, it's the customers. It's the, the everyone that walks in there. Um, look, every single, I mean, I play in a lot of places in Cork, you know, and they're all brilliant places. They love their music. That's the thing about Cork people anyway. They just, they just love music. They love going out, they love socializing. Um, but I think the one thing that stood out for me, I don't know if you're ever in the Cotton, but 
at the very best. I don't think so, to be honest with you. I don't it's think so. It's a big place. It's a gorgeous place. They do their own, um, they have their own brewery and everything there. They, they have, have a brewery own. now down on the Keys, don't they? Yeah, they, they have, they have the, brewing, the brewing beer for a long time now, I think. Um, they do a lot of ales and everything like yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. And they, they sell them inside. But um, it's just the whole layout of the place. But there's one thing, it's musicians' worst nightmare. And that's the back of the cotton ball. You've got big steps leading up into it at each side. Now, these are big steps. <laughs> <laughs> and when you've got musical equipment and you're on, you're on your own, it's not a nice job. <laughs> but they would come out on the line, they would. And they'd, they'd carry it in for you and everything. Absolutely. Really? <laughs> the one time in my life ever, apparently, I'm told, because I was told this story years later, the one time in my life ever that, it was, uh, that I asked for help to bring... Because we had crates of records back in the day, you know, albums, singles, yeah. 12 inches. And they were big, you know, and particularly oh, if you were lazy. Heavy too, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, was, it was heavy stuff, yeah. But I once asked um, what we used to call in the day a bouncer to help me to move stuff from the back of my yeah. car into the gig. <laughs> and he refused. He said, he said, it's not my job. <laughs> so I can understand why you feel so good when the lads in the cotton ball lug your gear for you. And to take it out as well, it seems. And if it wouldn't be, if it wouldn't be able to be one of the lads behind the bar that'll help you, and um, there'd be a few lads that'd be drinking in there, and they'd, they'd offer. You know what I mean? Like, Fair play. And that's uh, that's fifth generation Lynch is owning that pub. I'm told. Is that right? Five generations yeah. of them. I I I wouldn't know who owns it as such. Um, but I mean, it's it's just it's a phenomenal place. Like it, 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 it you know yourself. There's, there's certain certain areas of places that are just absolutely um, communitized, you know, they're just, they're just, they're lovely, strong communities, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I find about that area of Cork, a very strong community, you know? Um, yeah, 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 was it, for, for years I remember it being run by, was it Jack Lynch, not the politician, but the man, well, obviously they were both men, but wasn't it the Lynch family, I think, it is the Lynch family, isn't it? I've seen us read something on, on yeah, the Lynch family, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't know much now. It's an old place. It's a, it's a very old building. It's, it's it's a fine, fine place. Like. And I'd say there's a fine history in there now if you looked into it. Yeah, you know, it'd be good to know. chat with them, actually, to get the backstory. Yeah. And do they do food? Do they adapt to do oh, food? They do, they do. And it's excellent food they do. Actually, I um, cycled past it a few weeks ago and they had, uh, they, had, they had billboards outside for food, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, and the pizzas are just to die for. Okay, <laughs> so that's the gig that you can't get, wait to get back to the cotton ball, is it? Well, that's one of them, yeah. But it's 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 just you know the people. I make good friends and everything. I'd be I'd be I'd be going down there on a weekly basis. You know, I was doing every Thursday there, and um, you know, there'd be the Sunday to come up. I'd be doing a Saturday as well as come up. I've done Fridays, so I've done Fridays as the Saturday, Sundays, and you know, even Monday I think as well. So. Well, fair play to pubs that keep live music going, yeah. isn't it true? And 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 they'd have it the whole. And to be so many bands there, they always stood up and and gave the musician a go. It's hard enough in our business, you know, um, but we don't complain. We keep we keep it as best as we can. And how do they know? How do they know that you actually can sing in tune? I wonder. What if they booked you and you were well, tone deaf or couldn't play an instrument, or you were a three chord status quo trickster? Well, no. You see, <laughs> there's another part of of Cork City, um, and a lot of artists would know this. Um, there'd be a lot of agents. You know, um, oh, you have your own agent, do you, Gundy? Oh, I do, I do. <laughs> Elsa de Souza, uh, she's a, an absolute lady. I hope she's listening. Hello, Elsa. 
He's <laughs> his own agent. Where are you from? I'm originally from um, Artrinan. County Limerick? No, I'm living in Ula, County Limerick. Um, my mother is a mellow woman. So all the Crowleys down there in Mallow, they're all my relatives. Hello to you all. Fair play to you. Get the shout yeah. in, shout out in as well. All right, listen, I might track down a bit of a history on the cotton ball and perhaps chat with oh, them if there's yeah, a big story in it. Amazing, yeah. Well, you come back to me and you tell me when you're gigging there next, will you? We'll give it a big shout out and we'll jam the place. I mean, of course, yeah. I just can't wait to get back, you know. Um, and of course, being self-employed and everything, um, it's, you know, it's much... You don't want to be taking the pub payment. You want to get back to work. Exactly. Yeah, I know. So, uh, I know. Yeah, the creative side of you will drive you on when it gets good again, all right? Exactly. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we've jumped in on SIP2 now and everything as well, so hopefully, you know, they can give us a, give us a, some bit of, um, how would you say it, rep, uh, representation. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Don't criticize, unionize. <laughs> all right, mind yeah, yourself. Yeah, good exactly. to catch up. Take Thank care. Thank you very much, sir. Cheers, Gundy, and his. Uh, Lovely stories regarding the cotton ball. So a lot of texts on this as well. Hands down, the best barman is John Howard in Neil McCarthy's bar in Middleton. Do anything for you in the bar and outside. He's an unreal lad we love him. Party and the gang and Hannah Barrett's, also known as the Goblet. All the loyal locals love the gang there. So keep those texts coming as well on Jim Steinman. What song by Jim Steinman? Chances are it could well be a meat love song. Might be, it might be um, perhaps Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler or one or two others. Text on those and we'll play out at uh, around about five minutes to midday. 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Tesco Grocery Home Shopping is available seven days a week up until 11 p.m. every day. Why are you hearing that? Because I got a little later on this morning a 300 euro Tesco weekly shop for you. 300 euro that you can spend in Tesco. And it's happening right across the day, every day, right here on Red FM. And you can log on to tesco.ie if you want to book your own delivery slot. But you will hear a cue to call sometime between now and midday. If you're caller nine and you get on the air, I'll ask you a reasonably simple, straightforward, multiple choice answer question. You get it right. I'll give you a 300 euro Tesco weekly shopping voucher. So don't call just yet, but this is what you're listening out for. Attention shoppers, if you need a little help with that weekly shop, then call Red FM right now on 1850-104-106 to claim your prize with Tesco Home Delivery. Okay, Thank you yeah, couldn't have be a simpler. nice day. Could not be simpler. When you hear that again, pick up the phone. There's 300 euro spending in Tesco if you're lucky enough to get on air. Uh, big response yesterday to um, parental alienation. Um, we had a couple of conversations on air about it uh, and indeed many texts um, and it's one of those topics, actually, that does raise quite an amount of text. And it goes to show me that there is a lot of separation, a lot of issues regarding uh, the splitting up of, of families, where there are, particularly where there are children involved. Uh, one mum says, um, I'm on the opposite end of the scale to many of your conversations yesterday. My husband is an alcoholic and I tried my best to keep up his relationship with the kids. But most of the time he would find an excuse not to see them or he would be drunk when I brought them to see him. So I ended up having to take the kids away. The kids were always crying. Uh, morning, Neil. If you break a maintenance order, you do 28 days. And you do the 28 days, not in and out. You do the full 28 days. My mate had a knock on the door and he was brought straight to Cork Prison. No questions asked. 28 days for not paying maintenance. My wife has stopped me seeing my kids over a year and a half ago. She says the kids don't want to see me. I have a court-approved access order and I have never missed a maintenance payment. 
Could you please ask your guest, what can I do? Well, I tell you what, there is um, a Facebook page called Fathers Matter Ireland. Uh, so if you have access to uh, Facebook, you can certainly start following them and interacting with them. Uh, and if you so wish, I can give out a, a telephone number to you later on off air, uh, a mobile number that you could call for some direction and some guidance. It's not always the mother's fault. I was in court with my ex and it cost me nearly two and a half thousand euro. Visitation and maintenance were set in place Nothing happened. I didn't even follow up anymore as I couldn't afford to. My son hasn't seen his dad since he was young. Um, This is his dad's decision. He lives a short distance away from us. He even passes him on the street. Not all mothers are at fault. And deadbeat dads make a bad name for dads who genuinely are amazing. Morning, I'm in my 20s and the father of my child has never paid a cent. I would love to hear other people's opinions on this. Uh, Morning, it happens to mothers too. I've already paid €15,000 in fees and I haven't seen my children for over two years in spite of all of that. Somebody else says, I find legal aid useless. You wait for months to have a 30-minute consultation. I saw a text yesterday come in actually with regards to delays regarding uh, free legal aid, even if you're going citizen through the Citizens Information Bureau. I can certainly check out on that, but I saw a text from the coming in yesterday. I'm going through divorce at the moment. It's been tough going the past few years. It's not always mothers that are the problem. My ex sees the kids regularly and has proper access, but he keeps costing me more and more money and more and more stress because of the amount of debt that was built up in the relationship. And that's from a single mum that uh, is constantly battling. The guy on air is talking bull. The guards do not get involved over maintenance arrears immediately. My ex was a couple of thousand in arrears and I got no help from the guards. My ex is representing himself in court now, as you suggested, and he is slowing down the process. But I'm not really suggesting. I'm saying that, that that's always an option if you don't want to or you don't have the money to pay solicitors. Like somebody was mentioning yesterday that um, there's there's no money in resolution for solicitors, certainly no money in fast resolution for solicitors. But all that and more uh, on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six after 10. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Emerald Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Lots of texts and calls and what have you. Keep texting away there as the, to the Jim Steinman song. You'd like to hear it to 10 minutes to mid, late, midday. Could well be a meatloaf song. Jim Steinman died yesterday at the age of 73. And a whole generation were reared on his music um, through the music of meatloaf. Lines open 1850104106. Kathleen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's always great when people reach out to say thank you or share good stories. So what happened? I um, I was going to the CUH, which is a very easy drive from, Brent, from Bantry, really. It's a long and, drive, though. Well, it's a long drive, but it's an easy, you know, straight in and you're there. And um, I've been many times, but... Um, I um I was going along and I I was miles away. I'd say I was listening to the radio and I just passed the turning for down for Bishopstown and found myself. Oh my God! I'm heading for Mahan. You know. Oh, I know. Wrong slip. Yeah. So yeah, I had yeah. to keep going, and um, I turned off for Toher, and um, then after that, I'd say I made a completely wrong turn after that because I felt I was heading right into the country. I was out in the country road. You were lost. Woman, you completely lost. You were lost. 
And um, the next thing, I was going to stop and ask people on the road. And the next thing, at the other side of the road, I see a guard, a car. And um, I, I, I said, it was like somebody, he came down from heaven. And he was sitting in the car and I got out. And with the height of getting out so fast in case you go, I never put on my face mask so I didn't cross the road. I was shouting across him. I didn't want to go near him without my mask. And um, I told him that I was completely lost and that I was heading for the CUH. And um, he was telling me, go left and right and left and right. And I was saying, oh, God, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So he says, you know what? I'll take you there myself and I'll put on the flashers so that I won't lose you. <laughs> I said, will you really? And he said, yes, I will, of course. And he took, us, took me all the way down and he only kind of waved to me at the um, when we got to the CUH because he went on then. And I, I, the mistake I made, I, I should have got the number of his car, <laughs> you know, but I didn't. But You're I nice in shining armour. Yeah, he didn't put on the Nino. He didn't put on the Nino, no? No, he didn't put on the knee, no, just the flashing light so that nobody get in between us. <laughs> but um, I was very grateful to him, you know, because I was worried about time and everything. And um, he um, um, he was a young guard, and um, I want to say thank you very much if any of the guards will pick up on it. Anyway, to thank him very much. It was very nice. I think, it'll, I think it'll trickle back to him sometime, someday. Yeah, hopefully. But yeah. T- tell me this, was the, do you don't come up all that often, though, I suppose. That's the reason why. Me? I do, yeah. Actually, unfortunately, I've been to the CUH quite a lot. Yeah. We all take the wrong slip, you know. We yeah, all do. I know it well. I just went... I was. I do it as well, but I'm usually daydreaming it. when I do it, you know. Yeah, I was, I'd say too, I was listening to the radio or something and I was passing it and that was it then. And have you uh, no GPS or Google Maps in your chariot, no? I haven't, no. <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah, maybe no. you're as well off because a lot of the time yeah. Google Maps will bring you down all sorts of boreens. It doesn't seem to yeah. bring it to the place yeah. in the straightest distance. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. all went well. Anyway. You, ma- you managed to find your way back out of CUH, back oh, to the... Oh, yeah, I was okay then. I knew where I was again. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, good for sharing. Thank you so much. It's yeah. always great Thanks to hear these stories. Thank you very much for letting me on. Well done. Well done. Yeah, and, and I the... hope you'll hear it, yeah. Yeah, it'll trickle back. Don't you worry. It always does. Thank you so much. Text 0868 106. Staying with phone lines, we were talking yesterday about um, the carry-on down in the Wella, and of course I was giving you stories that I saw with regards to the amount of stuff that's being just left and abandoned. Lot, it's all drinking stuff, to be honest with you. Uh, in and around Douglas, up by the, sorry, in and around Beaumont, up by the quarry on a regular basis. And many, many people go out then themselves, their own local groups, and they tidy up and they clean up everybody else's junk. And they do it day in, day out, and they come back and do it again, and it's like Groundhog Day for them. Anyway, a lot of texts on that uh, and calls as well. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm interested in this um, this phenomenon you called lawnmower parenting because I've heard of yeah. helicopter parenting. So what's yeah. lawnmower parenting? It's a term I came up with myself, Neil. It's funny. Um, you know, you can't blame the blades for cutting out if it's driven into scotch long grass. So the parents must steer their kids as best they can to cut the lawn properly, you know, to, to, to do their best. That's what I come up with, lawnmower parenting. You know, the one thing constant throughout all this, Neil, you know, drinking and cork and littering is parental responsibility. And I think, I think people shy away from that term. I think we should talk about it more whenever we talk about littering or, or drinking or, you know, uh, loutish behaviour. Uh, I just coined the phrase, the phrase law more parenting. We've got to steer our kids as best we can to cut the grass properly, you know, not to get caught up in long grass. It's our fault if we steer our kids. A lot of kids, a lot of parents don't really care what their kids do, what they get up to. 
you mentioned there about a 16-year-old kid being dropped off in Douglas by probably his mom. Or yeah, and they say the same thing down. is happening uh, out around... Um, I guess it yeah. would be around uh, probably Toker, you know, the entrance to a place oh. called the Wella. The Wella, I don't know the place. No, nor, nor, nor do I, but yeah. they're saying the parents are dropping them off. Yeah. Well, they are. I mean, I, I, I live in Douglas, and you can walk down the community park, which is lovely. They've, they've done it up now on the walk by the river where the playground there is. And sometimes you walk down there and there's a couple of gangs of people and they're not doing much, but they're, they're drinking. And then they leave and they leave the litter behind them. I mean, would it, would it cost an awful lot with all the... Um, live music events that are not on, not on at the moment to have stewards that would work at those events. But hang on a second, are there, bins, are there bins there? Because there are, I, I, absolutely oh, there are. Okay. There's two or three bins at either end of the park. But are they full? There's a bin. Uh, a lot of the times they aren't. Most of the times maybe they okay. are, but still, Neil, that's no excuse to litter and to leave stuff after you. But look, um, uh, as I said, I, I, you know, parental responsibility, Neil, um, you, you have to... Uh, I, I hate the word educate your kids because it sounds like um, they're thick or all stupid. What are we, what are we supposed? What are we supposed to do, for instance, if you like? Yeah. I know this might be small cheese, but oak trees grow from small acorns and all that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I was yeah. cycling, I was cycling there last week, and it was on the yeah. Douglas area, just going. You know the the link road there by um, Bean. I think it's the is it called the Bean and Leaf? That's it. it it'll yeah. link you from the Bannerlock Road to the Douglas Road, and there was three yeah. girls, um, very respectable looking, very well dressed. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm not saying that people who are badly dressed or the litter loud so I'm not saying yeah. that for a moment but oh, it's, they, it crosses they, everyone, yeah, they were very yeah. respectable looking kids and um, one yeah. of them had um, uh, but a, but a pack, well, oh it was an ice cream uh, uh, and she took it out of the wrapping um, and yeah. just didn't give it just didn't even think twice just took, no she didn't yeah. she put it on top of you know those uh, metal box units that the, the tall ones I think they're used maybe by the ESB ESP, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, root, they're router units. Yeah, yeah. Power terminals or something. She yeah. just took yeah. the wrapper and she put it up on top of the, um, just on top of the unit. And left it. And left it there. Yeah. But just as I was passing, and I said to myself afterwards, why didn't you shout out? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just shout out? Yeah. Take that home. Yeah. And, and I was a coward like that. I did. Was I a coward that I didn't uh, tell her? Well, Neil, I did it twice, and I think it was on your show before. I did it to a, a girl walking on the road, road once, and a guy in Tesco Tralee car park. I called out two people to pick up their bloody litter and they did because I called them out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't understand the mentality of people who, who, who put litter down and walk away from it. There's no excuse if it's small but it's your pocket. There's always a bin somewhere and this excuse, oh, the bins are full. Just take it home with you so put it into your pocket and you find the bin. God almighty. But you, you don't have to look any over. further for litter than Douglas, like. You don't, absolutely. You're somewhere outside your front door, Neil, and it sure is night follows day. The more people that... I'm living in a quiet area, Douglas, and there's no more people walking around my area. And no, loads sure of litter, all sorts of litter, litter in Douglas. More litter. Ca- ca- Coke cans, food wrapping cans, just appalling. And this term, we must educate our kids. We must Fast food junk, abandoned, energy, just uh, emptied and half-crushed yep. bottle abandoned cans of beer. Away, yeah. Loads of it in everything, Douglas. Cans of Coke, everything. It's across Cork society. I firmly believe that Cork people... Are, and I've been called out for, for this on your show before, we're a dirty, dirty people. We've no respect for our city and county, our rebel, beautiful county and city. The most disrespectful thing you can do, one of them, top two or three, is litter and walk away from it. I don't care who you are, what you are. And lawnmower parenting, Neil, it's a new phrase I came up with, so I think it just explains everything. You can't blame the blades if, you're, if, if they conk out when you're driven into 
rough grass. Okay, thank you, pal. Some text actually on the Weller. The Weller walk also starts by Harvey Normans on the centre side of the road as you drive in. It's a beautiful walk, but it's ruined by litter, says Alan. Another one. The Weller has been a big drinking spot for years. Great memories there, says David Deneen and Toker. Yeah, and, and fair enough, and let it be if you want to be, but don't litter, don't destroy it. Bring your junk home. I've been drinking down the Weller since they shut the pubs. I will continue to do so. This government is backwards. I miss the sessions, you see, with my friends. I was born and raised in Toker, not like these blow-in callers on the air. Thanks, Neil. Hope you don't shy away from these messages. By the way, all these callers clearly went bushing. So people in glass houses and all that, says Aaron. Thank you for that. Uh, I went for a walk this week down by the Inniscarra Dam. The amount of coffee cups, bottles, dog poo everywhere. It's a disgrace. That's another lovely walk ruined. Thank you for those. Back to the phone lines we go. Finbar, good morning. Good morning. Um, you s- you Neil, it's the Cathedral Lotwood Road. Did you happen to see it on the echo there last night? No, pal, I know nothing about it. Is it the North Cathedral, is it? Yeah, but I, like in fairness, when I was growing up, we were, it was driven into our heads that gambling and drinking were, was, were bad and sinful and everything. And now the church has gone into, that is gambling, call it what you like. What are they doing? It's, it's selling tickets. The trains are trying to get money up because they don't, well, they don't have a lot of money to run the church. I understand that. But this is a case of that you must buy a ticket. The first prize will be 10,000 and it will go up by 100 per week if it's not won. Yeah, but do you not want, do you not want the money to be raised to do the work on the cathedral? Yeah, but by all means, I'm not talking, I'm not criticizing the religion, I'm not criticizing the, but I'm saying it's, it's going to be done through gambling. Yeah, well, many letters along today. Uh, like it's, it's you see my advertising on television to shameful inviting people, in, and every time they show the ad, they're like they, you. You see, they all win. If you notice, they all win. Like everybody wins. So I, 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 I be one. I be against it. But hold on a second. Why, why is it? Why is it anyway different to a fundraising draw or bingo or things like that that the church because is always getting? If I choose. I would give what I think people need in, in the draw, I, or in, sorry, in the fundraising. I will choose that. But there's a, there's a set price, a set the, the, the money there for, for a ticket you must buy. Or you buy, there's a set price for, to buy it. So I would consider, in my opinion, that's why I'm asking, would you consider it gambling? I do anyway. And you were, when you were growing up, you were told that that kind of thing would be one of these mortal sins. Absolutely. Drinking, so that's why you took a pledge at 12 years of age when you made the confirmation. So, uh, and gambling. And you explain, know, explain to me, it's, it's a, like a lottery, is that you pick numbers, do you? Yeah, exactly. You buy a ticket, there's numbers on it, and then you wait for the door. The first door was just in the morning at half past 11. Indicated, in, is it? So, when you, um, and you, you figured that that's just glorified gambling. Different, different, different to GAA clubs who have their own lotteries in their own parishes all over the country. Yeah, they do. I understand that. So look, I've, I've bought, I've bought a lot of tickets in, 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 in clubs and everything for draws and everything. I buy, you know, Scott Cadden on end the weekends. But this is the church. This is the church that taught me growing up. Gambling and drinking was sinful. Okay, okay. You think that it mightn't be a far cry to the church giving out scratch cards next kind of thing? Quite possible. It's a good point, actually. I didn't think of that. Okay. But it's a very good point. All right, let's see what others think about it. I mean, personally, I wouldn't be losing a whole lot of sleep over it, but clearly it's got you vexed. Uh, just because I was told what I was told, growing up in school and more on with the wave of the finger, drink, 
the bishop, the bishop himself actually spoke against it. Did he invade my confirmation? Bishop Lucy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, we all we all got the lecture in primary school, and well, many. And then when you did your confirmation, you took the pledge, didn't you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got a little. Did you get a little pin for that? No, that was the. That's right. You put it up because you were you were kind of you were kind of proud of that, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. And did you stick to it then to the pledge? And uh, really, no, no, no. I broke pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's see what others think of it. Thanks for that. Appreciate okay, it, Finbar. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Cork's the best country, isn't it? Best county, isn't it? I suppose we're almost like a country in ourselves, and we need to accentuate our own. Not just that those that are with us, the shows that went before us. And there was uh, an announcement the other day from on Post Tour issuing new stamps now, and five of the stamps. Five of those involved in these stamps are Corkmen. Uh, more on that in a couple of seconds time, but with that story in mind I want to talk to uh, Pat Favi, an incredible guy, an incredible guy, and the amount that he has done down through the years with regards to climbing and expeditions is just awesome. I mean, he was the first Irishman to complete the uh, seven summits. Uh, he uh, climbed Everest twice. I think he was the certainly the first Irishman who ever climbed Everest from both sides, both the Tibetan side and the Nepalese side. He uh, he did um, uh, South Georgia Traverse uh, to the Antarctic following the footsteps of uh, Ernest Shackleton. He did the North Pole. He did the South Pole. He did so, so much in his career and thankfully survived it all. Not everybody did survive. And he joins me uh, by phone, imagine from home down uh, in Kerryway. Pat, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Listen, Pat, can I just say our condolences are with you and all the family of the passing of your beautiful mum, Bina. I was very sorry to hear that. So our condolences with you. Yeah, it was a very sad uh, day for us all. A very sad time. But, you know, mum was uh, a bright light. And before she went, she just said, like, you know, she's always going to be with us. She's there in spirit. And uh, she had a very positive outlook of where she was going. Like, she was heading for heaven. Yeah. And she yeah. said she's looking down on top of us. So we take light in that. And, you know, mom, mom isn't, isn't gone. Like, she's still there in spirit. She's still there with all the love. And she... You know, bestowed that on us. You know? That's right, so. and uh, and and thoughts as well with Dad Tim Falvey, the great counselor. I saw him getting his jab the other day in Blackpool, and I was delighted for him. But your mum was a guiding light to you. She always supported your travels. I mean, she she you know she she wasn't one to kind of say you know don't do this. She was behind you one hundred percent, wasn't she? Yeah, but she had a like she had this uh, spiritual side to her. She was light a candle from the minute I went out the door to the time I came back. And uh, she always pinned a uh, sacred heart to me. But she totally believed in that because, like, I suppose being her son, like, she's seen lots of people come to her house and stuff like that that didn't come back. Like, over 50 climbers I have climbed with, like, have given their life back to high adventure around the world, you know? My God, I watched the documentary Sherpa. Did you see that? I mean, that was... Yeah. I, know, I know we're talking about 2014, but all of a sudden an ice fall... And what was it, 16 Sherpas killed? Yeah, and then the next year there was um, an earthquake and took out another 16 on the icefall. So, yeah, like it was a terrible, terrible time, like, you know, those two years. uh, Well, 13, 14 and 15, you know. These stamps, right? Patrick Johan, Robert Ford, uh, Mortimer and Tim McCarthy and Edward Bransfield. In whatever order you like, who are they? 
Well, basically, they were like adventures of the early exploration of uh, po- polar exploration. And it, when you look at it, like there was only, you know, two others in Ireland like that really made significance. And that was uh, Shackleton and Crozier. But most of the people, believe it or not, you know, were from Cork and Kerry. Like, as you say, like we see Patrick Cahan from Cork McSherry, Robert Ford, Bandon, Tim and Mortimer McCarthy, Kinsale, and then Tom Crean and a skull. And of course, Edward Bransfield, like, you know, who found Antarctica. Middleton. Ballinacorla, like near Middleton. So we have a, a huge, uh, you know, and, and I suppose that's how I took it up. Like, you know, I just fell in love, like, with all these unsung heroes from uh, polar exploration. And that came from down, you know, our area. And I'm, I'm so proud, like, you know, the fact that there's now, you know, they've been recognized. You know, the, the unsung heroes, hopefully, like, are being sung. Now, they have been sung to some degree, but, you know, this is great. This is great news. And are they all marked in their own parishes? Like, I know the McCarthy brothers have a sculpture to them in Kinsale, for instance, don't they? Yeah, they would be. Uh, Patrick Yohan has and uh, Robert Ford has. But again, like, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like that it was just localized. But, you know, their heroism, like, you know, when you look back, like, at the era that it was, <laughs> to see such a, a cohort of people, like, going out, like, adventuring into the unknown, and what made it so proud for me, like, is that they came from Cork and Kerry for most of them. And admittedly, like, they're now being more sung than what they were. And rightly so, too, you know. So, like, why why I, I is that? I, I, know, I know the story of Tom Crean, because he was British Navy at the time, and he, he didn't talk about it at home in Anaskal. Sure, he didn't, his explorations. Yeah, well, I think most of them would have been in the same kind of boat. Um, and most of them did move, like, you had... Uh, uh, Mortimer McCarthy moved down to New Zealand and um, yeah so I think what it is really is that sometimes and look, sometimes I feel it myself it's not about the sung heroes it's about the unsung heroes like if you look at behind even my own expeditions right whereas I'm put forward it's a lot more than that like there's a whole heap of unsung heroes that I've not heard and um, you know like say if you look at it from um, any kind of uh, accolade, you know, there's a certain... There's always a team, yeah. yeah, There's there's always a team behind it, and that's what makes the the people like... And 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 with regards to Kyohan and Ford and the McCarthy brothers and Bransfield, um, none of them perished due to their explorations, no? No, uh, actually some of them perished afterwards in, in the World War, but no, they they all survived in relation to their initial stages of it and uh, well Shackleton of course did die like you know when he went back down many years later yeah. but Tom Creed died, Tom Crean died of a, an appendix burst so they all went on you know to, li- to live a life after Antarctica and it just wasn't recognised and their contribution like has been amazing like when you look back at the history books so it's, it, it really is fascinating like one of the McCarthys, actually, didn't they go with Scott? Didn't they go south with Scott? Yeah, and um, they, to the pole. Like one, there's a great story there. I think it's about Mortimer McCarthy. Like he he was engaged to his fiance in Kinsale, and he headed off, and he came back anyway to get his fiance, but the fiance wouldn't go. So instead, his her sister went, and she married him. <laughs> so that was, you know, there's a fierce court, and you know. Like, it's amazing because, like, I've been down in the Antarctic many times, but, like, the past, like, you know, say, Tom Crean Icefall, the McCarthy Islands, you know, like, it's littered 
with Irish names, Cork names, you know, Irish people, like in the history of Antarctica. So like you're passing there and you say, what's that? And that's McCarthy Island. How would you feel about that when you'd pass a Cork or an Irish marker like that or something that's named after a Corkonian? Well, basically so proud, do you know what I mean, to say that the recognition, and you know, sometimes we we find the recognition coming, they say like that, uh, you're you're never a hero in your own parish, right? (laughs) But like, it's like, when I go to these places, like, you know, and I see, you know, names like Bernardo Higgins, you know, district and things like that, like Irish people like that. Uh, have names like you know like I never forget it like I was passing and there's these two lovely islands in the middle of nowhere and they were called the McCarthy Islands you know then I was on a glacier called the Tom Crean Glacier amazing yeah yeah. and then like you know there's a mountain called after Mortimer McCarthy and he went down there in his 80s uh, and he brought his dogs down and he actually climbed it in his 80s in his 80s yeah and there's, there's some huge history attached to it and it's only until we start digging into it and bringing it out like you know I know now that Tom Crean you know he's being relatively sung but it's you know it's it's great to see the honour coming out for the other people well, like, without a doubt recognized. because of the eight we're talking of five of them were cork men you're, yep. you're, you're not climbing anymore certainly well but I mean you're probably doing the likes of Croke the, the, the Irish mountains you know but you're not doing international Oh, I am, yeah. Like, you know, you? And, well, this, well, this year I was supposed to do four Kilimanjaros, oh. two Elbruses in Russia, two Himalayas, dog sledding in the Arctic. Like, it, 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 but they're not the extreme ones, like, you know, where um, I have to go out for 60 or 90. days and minus 60 degrees Celsius. Why did you stop that? Why did you Are stop it? that if, one, if, one, if Tim McCarthy was doing it in his 80s? <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. I haven't stopped, you know expeditioning yeah. like it's just that the expeditions have got smaller like and remember remember this I don't know whether you remember like 20 odd years ago 30 years ago like when we started first talking we're we're 30 years older now it's easily and 30 it's years like, or longer yeah you know, like I, I retired from extreme adventure and when I say that like burning up you know equivalent to two marathons a day for 60 days uh, only two or three years ago so it it just means that the body is easing off, but the, the attitude, the mental mindset, uh, is still there. And like I, I'll have that till the day I die as an adventurer. I, I'm probably a 64 year old and a 35 year old <laughs> mind <laughs> and body too. I think last time That's I saw it. you, <laughs> there's no fear. Yeah, actually, actually, just another. By the way, I just mentioned the documentary on, I think it's on Netflix, called Sherpa. There's another docudrama called The Terror. Have you seen that? I've seen The Terror as well, yeah. The Terror is more dramatised, but it's it's an amazing, like, that's the Franklin Expeditions. They were trying to find the Northwest Passage, weren't they? Yeah, I was up there actually, like, looking for Franklin's... uh, boat, you know, and I, 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 you know, that whole story is amazing as well. We have a huge amount of history uh, when it comes to the Arctic and the Antarctic. And indeed, uh, even the Himalaya, like, you know, it's like, and and the documentaries now that are coming out are amazing. Like, you've seen, like, the one on Franklin, like, you know, and it's uh, it's terror, like, you know, like... Yeah, okay, it is the journey, but it's also the psychological breakdown of all of the crew. I won't spoil it for people, but it, it does sum up, it does live up to its name. The ship was, the boat ship was called the Terror, and the, the series is a terror, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. And, and it shows you what goes on in the mindset, 
Like, you know, when you're out there, you know, in anywhere like remote like that, and especially the, the guys in the early explorers, they didn't have communication. And, you know, it was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, if anyone goes into these areas, like, you know, you could have down to minus 60 degrees Celsius, cold, never coming out of it. And you could be there, like, when you were on a ship, like, for about a year or two years or three years. And they went into these amazing places, which were, they were the forefathers. Like, where's, like, you know, I'm standing on the shoulder of giants, like. But were there times, were there times for you, say, for instance, and I listed out some of your achievements, were there particular times when you were in a situation and if you had the power to have a transporter, you'd have wanted to get out of it there and then and to never go back? Did you have those moments? Of course. uh, Where? Where, Do you recall any? Well, there was a time in uh, Antarctica, like, I suppose the the first one would have been on, I was one hour from the top of Everest, and I was dying, and I had spent 58 days to get there, you know, overall, and, you know, I just, you know, there was a guy passing, uh, and he fell, and I just grabbed him, and I I got into my senses, and I said, what the F, well, hell am I doing here? I've just gone past my sell-by time, being up there. And I turned and I came back. And that was probably the closest I've ever got to death in relation to, you know, one hour later, I wouldn't be talking to you today. One hour later, I wouldn't be seeing my two grandchildren or, you know, being here for mom and dad. And decision-making process is very important when you're, like, playing around in the death zone. Okay, because you're in the death zone. Does that mean that, from the point of view of your thinking, your rationale, does that kind of go out the window a bit up there? It does. You have to pinch yourself every now and then to actually ensure that you're in reality. And you set down rules. And basically, most times that's we die in those explorers or adventurers in those type areas because we break the rules we set ourselves. And as I say, like, you know, over the years, I've analyzed, like, you know, why people have died, you know, how they died, where they died. And you have to constantly be thinking of what it's, what it's equivalent to really is it's equivalent to that you're, uh, like a drunken man in a place, right? Okay, so your rationalization can become very fogged. And especially when your oxygen is down to, you know, 50% of what it would be at sea level and your brain is frazzled and, you know, and, and, and you have to make these decisions. But you know what always amazed me now when, when, when I talk at home here in Cork or, um, you know, to yourself is the fact that sometimes I think when I talk to you that I'm in a dream and that this, grown, this lad from Grana Braher who dreamed about traveling the world has done 150 expeditions and have, has, has had the privilege uh, to have seen places. And sometimes I see the places when you even ask, like, you know, and it's like, it's like I'm in one of those films. Like I'm in Terror or I'm in Sherpa or I'm in, and like, I, I know all the places. So it's, it, like yeah, it's uh, it's kind of surreal, really, even when I talk about them now. And was there, a, and that's the episode, say, on on Everest when you were literally dying, with blood poisoning and, and lack of oxygen. What was there another um, example of that in Antarctic then? Well, we were in Antarctica. I was thirty eight days in, and I was filming, and I turned my camera. And my team, there's just three of them. And of course, like you all know, Claire O'Leary, like one of the most amazing adventurers ever. And I actually... She reached the top of Everest with you, yeah. She reached the top of Everest. She walked to the South Pole. She crossed Greenland. You know, absolutely one of the most phenomenal females, not alone in Ireland. Did the seven summits. 
did the seven summits. She became the second, like, you know, she became the, and she, the 15th person in the world and now the second person in the world to have done what she's done. She's and, abandoned. Uh, she's abandoned girl, isn't she? She is. She's abandoned yeah. girl. Yeah. And, and what was uh, that moment? Uh, well, the moment was where I was out in the Antarctic. We were 38 days in. I just did a bit of filming of the, uh, of my team passing. And of course, there's nothing there for 2,000 miles. And what happened is when they passed, I pulled my uh, back. I put a disc in my back and I went down. But of course, they kept marching. And all I could see like was the tail end of them. So I had to get up, hop and hobble and... You know, eventually, like, I picked up with them, uh, you know, but I thought, like, that they would go into the distance and they mightn't come back and get me. And then what and happened... And then they wouldn't be I, able to find you, would they? Well, yeah, it was a, um, a misty day. They probably would be able to track it, but if you go off course, you have 2,000 miles of nothing to, uh, to get lost in, you know, and all you have to do is go 100 yards or 300 yards off. And was that your worry that because you couldn't see them in the distance that you you couldn't get your bearings that you could just wander off? Um, well, well, what happened is lucky enough. Like, and, and and when the wind is blowing, like you know the catabolic winds, it actually moves out the track. So I was able to catch the faint track because I was in agony at the time. My eyesight, like you know, like in pain, like was blurred. But uh, I suppose the best thing about it is when I did get to them, it took another twenty. It was going to cost a million. Uh, dollars to send in an aircraft to pick us up. So, in fairness, like what happened is we worked together and we went on for another uh, 20 days and we got to the South Pole, which was amazing because we passed where Shackleton's further south were. We arrived at the South Pole and it's an amazing feeling because at that stage, you know, I had stood on top of the world and then I had stood at the bottom at the top of the world, but I also became a time traveler because that point in the center of our planet, or the bottom of our planet and the top of our planet, which I was lucky enough to stand on too, when we walked around it, we became time travelers. Uh, in a sense, we walked around all the 24 meridians of time, you know, on planet Earth. So, wow. you know, the efforts and it, like, it is amazing. But as I say, a lot of it seems surreal. surreal Not yeah. that I set out to do you know, anything, you know, other than do what I kept on doing. And it then it happened. <laughs> By the time I finished, you know, I always see myself in my grandmother's uh, box room in uh, 15 Ory Road, looking out over Cork City. And to think, you know, now like I've been at the highest, the coldest, the loneliest, the most remote places on planet Earth. Like I've lived with 32 tribes of people trying to figure out what it is that has driven man since the evolution of our species. And I was literally illiterate till I was 30 and written seven books. And I'm from Grana Braher. So if I can do it, I believe like anyone with a dream, goal, aspiration, ambition, drive, you know, can actually achieve their goals. And I also know this, we all have a different Everest. And I'm so lucky again that, you know, having done this, people ask me about achieving people's Everest. And, you know, I believe everybody has the power. Uh, in in relation to doing that, but they must want to do it. Well, so, you, I mean, without revisiting the entire story, and just for mentioning it for fear that people don't know, you were a very successful builder and, uh, you know, amassed a substantial amount of money. You would have been one of Cork's first millionaires. Then you then you lost everything completely. Uh, took, to, took to drinking, uh, contemplated suicide one night down on the Keys but came back from all of that. It was an incredible achievement. Uh, and you, you started by, if I remember correctly, hill walking, wasn't 
Yeah, a hill walking down here in Kerry. And, you know, like now we're promoting the fact I just set up what we call the Forever Young Club for 50 to 90 year olds. And actually, you'll nearly fit there. there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and my love and passion is about, you know, and especially like in these COVID ta- times, right, okay, to get out into nature, you know, like whereas I was a capitalist one time and, you know, like I, I gave it up to become a social capitalist, if you ever understand that meaning. But to me, it's all about nature. To me, it's about people. To me, it's about going out and seeing the world and and recognizing that we are all the same. If if COVID has done anything for us, it's brought us closest together in families. Admittedly, there's a lot of mental stress there at the moment. Uh, it's brought us closer in the world. In other words, like say we don't, we hear very little about the wars around the world now. We're all battling. Uh, one enemy and it's brought us believe it or not closer together to um, you know to unite in like in a force and you know I, like I, I love that because I, I think humans as humans are humans and like we all feel the same we love we hate we have passion you know and e- e- even the face you know I, people say to me at the moment what have I got and I have learned to think from my Buddhist mentors even though I'm Catholic right okay it's about monastic patience. And that is, no matter how bad things are out there to everybody at the moment, it's to have faith. We will get through this. It will get better. And I hope it brings lots of people back to nature. Sure, all I have to do, you know, like say when I walk with my sisters, when I'm up minding dad at the moment, and I walk around, like the amount of people out walking with their yeah, families yeah. and having fun is amazing. Yeah, but you need people need to be safe on the mountains, don't they? They really do, because we hear the emergency services out way too often, right? Yep, well, that's true as well. And the thing with it is, it's it's all a matter of, you know, paying respect. Yeah. You know, like yeah. having respect to where you are. If it's a case that you do intend to go out on your own and things like that, is to have the skills necessary to do that. Well, listen, I don't know what we're going to do with you because a little birdie tells me you're the performance coach for the Kerry Senior Football Squad. What's going, what's going on well, there? Well, I suppose at this stage, <laughs> like, I've been 25 years in Kerry and 25, like, you know, if I say 25, take that away from 64 uh, in Cork. Uh, like, in reality, it's something that I was asked to do and I'm absolutely privileged. And you know why? It's because of the fact, can you imagine having 37 people all with dreams, goals and aspirations to actually achieve a goal? And it's that energy that keeps me going. So if Kerry win the All-Ireland then, do we congratulate and give the accolades to a Corkman? No, I see. I'm a cog in a wheel. And in in the cog in a wheel, it's about the team. It's about the unsung heroes like... I'm just happy enough to be an unsung hero like in, in with some what is, I consider uh, amazing people like Peter Keane, Tim Murphy and the team that's there and they've given me a privilege like, you know, of, you know, showing what I love doing and that's helping others achieve dreams. Okay. Listen, hopefully it won't be too long before we have another bowl of soup in Kate Carney's cottage, right? I look forward to that. But if, for instance, you could, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but if you could sit across from someone and have a pint, right, or a bowl of soup in Kate Carney's cottage, would it be Shackleton? Would it be Crean? Would it be Hillary? Would it be Tenzing Nor- Norgay? Or, or would it be, say, David Attenborough? Who who would it be? Well, I think it would be Shackleton, right? Because I think he was one of the greatest leaders of men. Like, I've studied, the three, like, you know, like, leadership in, like, you know, all around the world. And they used to say, like, you know, 
If you're looking for science, give me Scott. If you're looking for speed, give me Amundsen. But if you're in trouble, get down on your knees and pray for Shackleton, right? Now, in saying that, Tom Crean like, has been with him, but as a leader, I would like to emulate uh, that thing. Is In other words, it, it, like, it, it's about helping others achieve their goals, their dreams, and not being selfish and putting yourself forward. So if I were to allow you Crean and Shackleton, it'd be you, Crean and Shackleton, say, for instance, in, in Kate Carney's, would they be conversa- Would they get on around a pint, the two of them? I think they would. Uh, I think I would far prefer to have be having a pint with Tom Crean, though, because I think he'd be far better crack, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And uh, and you know, like you said, the other thing about David Attenborough, right? Okay, one of the things I was privileged in 2017 is to do a series called Icons of the British Isles. Now we're Ireland, like you know. But like, you know, I really look up to Attenborough and I was put up with like we had Attenborough, myself, Ronald Fiennes, Ernest Shackleton and Jim McNeil. And it was in the Royal Geographical um, Autonomical Society. And, you know, I have a picture here, like you just said, when you said David Attenborough, he's one person that I would love to be like in my 80s. Well, you know something, you are in the company that you deserve to be in amongst those names that you mentioned, of that you can be sure. I hope we don't have to wait for 150 or 200 years before you get your face, your beautiful face on a stamp. What do you think? (laughs) Well, that's not what motivates me. What motivates me is to inspire people to actually have the dreams, goals and aspirations. Uh, my, My dad actually, like, is an amazing man. He said to me, you know, like sometimes when you ask for something like that, it's like demanding respect. Like for anything to happen in life, you have to earn it. And the one thing I would have to give mom and dad, you know, who I love very much, is the fact that they taught me the fact is that anything you get in life, you have to earn. You have to go out and you have to work for it, you know. You're such an inspirational guy. Great to call you a friend. People can get further details of your life and everything to do with you at patfalvey.com. But we won't leave it too long before we chat again, all right? And Neil, can I just say to everybody out there, like, I just want to wish them the best. Um, You know, like, I do have a lot of stuff on my website in relation to how to relax and stuff like that. So my whole thing is about giving. And all I have left now, right, okay, at 64 years of age, is the fact of legacy. My legacy, I hope, is to inspire others to just live a happy life and to do what they want to do because we are already on planet Earth for an average of 80 years, you know, and then we go. So everybody out there, dream, dream big, and remember it's you and you only have the power to do what you want to do. Not Pafalvi, not Neil, not, you know, the government, it's you. But primarily the younger generation who shouldn't be afraid uh, to challenge themselves are to take risks, is that right? Or to go on adventures? Yeah. Or to follow their dream and not a job they don't like? But you know, it's happening more and more. I like, I have great... Sorry, Pat, losing you there, pal. I hope I don't lose him because I wanted to hear what he had to say. Uh, Not happening for me. Um, No. Sorry. I hit the the mute button with my ear. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's not that it's not that I wasn't getting through. Mute uh, buttons with the air and pocket dialing, and there's thinking you're on mute and <laughs> zoom and everything. Just that last point, I cut you cut yourself off. Look, you know what? We have amazing young people, and it's like you know, and and they are more and more people like you know are into doing what they want to do. There, there's a generation coming up like that, you know, and and I have the privilege because they come down to my kitchen. You know, I'm 
like I'm involved in training with them, you know, in different areas. Like, for instance, I'm doing a talk, a small talk for uh, the Special Olympics in um on Saturday, I, I like, it, like it just amazes me, and this is what inspires you me. You don't think there's, you don't think because they get accused way too often, I suppose, of being snowflakes, and you lived amongst the snowflakes all your life. Yeah, can I ask? Can I tell you something for nothing? Like you were a snowflake, and I was a snowflake <laughs> in a way. I, I actually got a thing in. Um, I think it was our stock. Like you know, anyway, I got this thing, and we were dealing with things with kids, and it said from a friend of mine, she's um, a neuroscientist, and she said, you know, the kids of today get far too much, they don't respect their people as much as they did before, or their parents. And it went all down like that. Exactly what you were saying, like, you know, all your snowflakes and things like that. And then I read the end of it, and it was from Aristotle 2000 years ago. (laughs) So, in reality, look, you know, it's life. and, and, And life is forever changing, and it's forever challenging. So, you know, any young people out there, like, I have complete faith and hope. And just remember, 2,000 years ago, they were saying the same. When me and Niall were uh, young, they were saying the same. Like, they were saying, like, I, I don't know, did they say the same about you, Niall? <laughs> probably like, did. revolutionary, like, you know, probably a hippie or That's something right. like that. All of the above, I can tell you that, and lots more besides. An honour and a privilege. Mind yourself. Take care, well, can Pat. I, can, I just, can I just say, as always, like, I'm so proud. You know, to have come from Granabraher, I've had been given in life an amazing opportunity. I've ceased this with all I have, and I believe everyone should do it. It shouldn't be defined of where we're from, because I had been defined of where I was from initially uh, by people that said impossible because of who you are and where you come from. So that's a dream, dream big. And remember, you have the power. Like, if you clench your fist there and you have a dream, just say, I have the power. Look at yourself in the mirror. Inspirational words. Take care, my friend. The great Pat Falvey, as always. Check him out online, www.patfalvey.com. And do yourself a favor and start reading his books. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red. FM. And you can text 0868104106 and the queue to call sometimes even now in midday for a 300 euro voucher that you can spend in Tesco. Okay, all that and lots more besides. Just a fast call this side of 11. Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How um, are you? I was, I was just uh, commiserating with Pat, uh, Pat on the death of his mother, Bina. Yeah, and you, I know. You met her, didn't you? I did. I was working in the CUHED and uh, I met his mother and she was amazing. And she left a mark on my heart that I will never forget. Um, I come across so many people, but um, Bina was just amazing. And she had a very spiritual side, yes. And she spoke to me when I spoke to her about my poetry, because I write poetry. And she loved the fact that I love poetry because she spoke about passion. She said, oh, my God, my son is a great writer and he loved poetry, too. And um, with that, Pat was on the phone to me at times there and, and Tim uh, while while she was there, while she was inside. And she was just saying that she loved poetry. So she started reciting poetry then when she'd get off the phone from Pat and Tim and, of course, her other daughters. And she sang The Contender then by Christy Moore for me. But she was such a great spirit and she taught me all about her life. You know, she was a great saleswoman, you know, and just such a great thing to say about her son as well that he was so remarkable she was she was very proud of him yeah and 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 she left a mark on you then didn't she she did i mean like i went home that evening and i thought god what an amazing woman 
And two weeks later, I had seen that she had passed away and uh, may she rest in peace. Uh, she, was, she was just great and great spirit, even in that journey. She was just yeah. such a great girl. Yeah, I, I, she was the Lady Mayoress when her husband Tim was the Lord Mayor and, and I knew them as a couple back then. Uh, she's a very stylish lady, actually. I mean, she really, she would yeah. turn herself out like a hundred, like a million dollars to every single event that they would go to as Lord and Lady Mayor, Mayor you know? But you know, do you know, Neil, I, when I spoke to that lady, I didn't know who she was. I really didn't. And we just had the best time together because she was so intelligent and, you know, she was, very family orientated and you know she was just she was just an inspiration and um, she just told me about all her life growing up and, and that and you know she had a very full life and she was very involved uh, you know very involved with things and she loved people you'd you have know, you, you, you know you'd, you'd, you'd need to be interested if you were in this case the wife of a counsellor a very hard working counsellor you'd need to be interested in that for that way of life you know yeah, but I didn't know her. She was just no, no. anybody no, to me, you know. Yeah, and uh, and it was by the end of the ship. It was actually really when I was looking at the paper, I realised who who she was. Two weeks later, and she just broke and into song. Reminds me of my own mother, actually, another yeah. Northside girl. They would just break into song. In our, she's in a great singer. She yeah. she sang the contender by Christy Moore, and you know she was really. And I hope that message or means something to to uh, Pat there as well. And she was talking about how how great how great a writer he was. And he didn't mention poetry there this morning, but she was saying he loved poetry. So that's how we that's how we got talking because of the poetry. I'll give it a, give it a spin. Yeah. Lovely talking. I give it a spin. Actually, the contender. But I, I'm going to play the man. I play the version of it, the man who wrote it. Actually, which was uh, Corkman Jimmy McCarthy. How about that? And and, and dedicated there to Bina. All right. And, and she's listening down on us. Okay. okay and well done. Congratulations thank and thank you for all your work on the CUH. Take care. Cheers, Tracy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Back after Bye. 11 on 1850, 104, 106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. So in conversation before 11, we mentioned uh, The Contender and Bina Falvey singing The Contender at the COH when she was in. Uh, and uh, it's a beautiful conversation. And I'm sure that uh, the family will be delighted to hear somebody share that conversation. But what do we know about The Contender? Well, it was a song written uh, by Jimmy McCarthy. And it was the story of uh, Jack Doyle. Uh, and he was born uh, 1913 and died in 1978. And boy, what did he squeeze into all of those years? Well, he was um, obviously a, a very, very, very accomplished uh, boxer, uh, championship boxer. Uh, came from a working class family in Cove, born in 1913, won all sorts of boxing bouts, 28 straight victories at one stage. He was a marvellous singer um, and uh, travelled the world, was a big box office hit, uh, Hollywood actor, accomplished singer, um, wonderful, wonderful on a stage, huge presence. Uh, and he mixed with uh, the Hollywood elite. Um, he was very, very good looking, um, really astonishingly good looking and traveled to America in the 30s, starred in movies and what have you. But they said at the time that the wild parties, the slow horses and the fast women took their toll on his health and his bank balance. And I'm reading this actually from a website called countrysongs.ie. Um, and eventually he died in 1978. He married Movita in a very stormy relationship and she ultimately left him and he, when the money rang out, ran out, of course, all of the friends rang out, ran out and uh, he was quite destitute in London in his later years 
and was found dead in, let me put it like this, a very shabby bedsit. Uh, and he was found dead. Um, but he was brought back and buried in the old church cemetery in Cove. So that's the backstory to Jimmy McCarthy's The Contender. What a talent. What an incredible guy. Jimmy McCarthy's The Contender. I took a little video clip of that when I was playing there, of the screens here and the music on the big speakers in the studio, and I'll send the video clip to Jimmy. You'll get, you'll get a good kick out of that. What a talent. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. On parental alienation, and I'm obliged to everybody who did get in touch, and that's why I endeavor to read out the texts and emails as best I can. I have been in family law court so many time of, times over the years. I've never denied my ex access to our children. He turned up when he wanted, though. Eventually, the kids just didn't want to go. He fought for maintenance for his kids. Uh, he, um, I also had conversations at court waiting rooms of men terrified of losing their kids over the lies and the girls saying things like, if he doesn't pay me extra money, he's not getting access. I heard this myself. I suppose my point is you get good parents who were treated badly. Uh, Neil, I got divorced years ago and the house took years to settle. A fee was agreed to buy me out before a certain date and written into a court order. Two years after the time had passed, I brought it back to court. One day in court cost me €5,000. See what I'm saying? It was recommended that I take what I was, was being offered as the ex could continue to drag it out for years, costing me a fortune. I hesitantly agreed just to put an end to it all. Even though I agreed, it's still not paid. Uh, why are there so many good fathers who really want to be part of their child's life, but the mother does everything in her power to stop it? And then on the other hand, you have good mothers who practically beg the father of their child to be involved and see his child, but he has absolutely no interest. He just walks away. It's so sad. Uh, the chap on the radio speaking about access issues was completely wrong. The guards have absolutely nothing to do with access orders because it's a family and civil issue. The guard, he have no powers there, full stop. Guard are bashing again. Well, I mean, you're entitled to an opinion on that, but I would have thought, and I have heard stories in the past of the guardie, you know, getting a court order and then going and picking somebody up for not paying maintenance and, you know, taking them to Cork Prison on foot of the court order. I mean, surely you can't argue with that. It's not always black and white. My good friend's ex is up for assault and will be going away. She has a barring order out so he can't see his child. He was ordered to pay maintenance and never, ever paid it. Nothing has ever happened to him. He certainly wasn't arrested. She's paid for absolutely everything. Uh, he's then around saying she's holding the child from him. There are always two sides to every story. If you are not seeing your children and you have a court order, ring the guardie and report the child missing. That's a text that I got, um, and that's fair enough, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure the guardie would thank you for that. Uh, would that not be called wasting guard of time when the child actually isn't isn't missing? Anyway, I'll keep coming back to those throughout the course of the morning, but I'm conscious of people waiting to get on air, and I'm obliged to them for sharing their stories. Yesterday's topics of conversation involved loss of smell and loss of, loss of taste. It's part of long COVID, or one of the things regarding COVID. Dawn, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And my apologies for keeping you waiting ages. But your loss went 13 years ago. Yeah, um, they think I had a cold-like virus uh, when I was pregnant. And of course, because I was pregnant at the time, I thought it was just a pregnancy thing. Um, but I never got it back. And What did you I lose? Had... Was it one or other or both? So, 
I, I, I well, when you first lose your smell, you kind of think you lose your taste too. But it's actually just the smell. Um, you usually can still taste, but like, you know, things like herbs and spices, garlic, things like that, you actually smell those. Okay. You don't actually taste them. Okay. So therefore, people actually think then they've lost their taste. Um, but taste is like bitter, sweet, sour, salt, that type of thing. I have all that. Yeah, but yesterday Declan was worried that he he might be sweating. He couldn't smell deodorant. So for him it was yeah, it was it was smell, you're right in that regard, yeah. But 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 his taste buds was was very bland to say the least, and that's why he was yeah. putting jalapeno peppers on his porridge. Yeah, so I think at the very start of the first few years everything was bland to me. But as the years progressed, things I I, I think I've become acclimatized to it. So now I'm starting to enjoy food so much more. I can taste the different tastes, if you know what I mean. I can't smell anything. I can't get the garlic. I can't get the, the basil, you know, those types of things. But I get flavour. It's like, it's really hard to describe. But the enjoyment of food is back again. But do you have but, to load it up with seasoning and spices? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I obviously have to be careful with salt because, you know, I've got children as well. We don't want to be killing anyone. Um, but I'd have, like... A bulb of garlic. If I was making bolognese, I'd put a bulb of garlic in. Um, and what are you tasting again. in the bolognese, forgive me? What are you tasting? It's like, uh, it's like I, I can't describe it. It's just flavour. So it's not bland. Do you know now if you had, um, like, if I had macaroni cheese, do you know, with the white sauce? Forget about it. Like, it's completely and utterly bland. But, but, the bolognese, but the bolognese, are you picking up on the tomato? You probably yeah, the sweetness of the tomato, then a bit of salt. Then if I put the herbs in, I'm kind of getting the flavour from that without actually tasting them. It's just, it's 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 a very weird sensation to be honest. Like it's 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 kind of it's really annoying to be honest. Yeah, because it, it would deem me to think that it was annoying, but you still sound quite upbeat about the whole thing. Yeah, well, I'm 13 years into it, so you know that that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, <clears throat> I'm starting to enjoy food so much more. Like, I, like Kim says yesterday, everything was terribly bland. Like, I'd gone to Indian places like that and everything just tasted the same. But now, I, I, as well, I've become so used to it that I'm starting to be able to distinguish between the different tastes. So, like, something like bolognese and getting the tomato, the sweetness of the tomato and then the bit of salt, you know, if I'm eating vegetables, I can get the bitter taste from them or the sweet carrot and then the texture of the food. Um, he, um, he's eating... A lot of junk food, very carby, heavy food, very salty food. He's put on a couple of stone in the last 12 months as a consequence of it. Is your Has your cooking become and you're eating unhealthy? No, not really. No. Okay. Like I do a lot of cooking myself anyway, so I'm just controlling the seasoning and the flavour in myself. Like, you know, so maybe that's something you could look into. Um, I make a lot of curries, different types of curries. Now, granted... One curry will taste the same to me as the next one, but I'm still getting something from it. What do other people say about your cooking? <laughs> There's never been any complaints. Like people, obviously not at the moment, but I, I throw a lot of kind of barbecues and parties, and I I would cook a lot there. But we've always had empty plates, so, so I'll, you I'll cook can't. I normally cook. You can't. Yeah, they haven't kind of dumped it behind the the the, the no. potted plant <laughs> no, and put it in the potted plant or anything. No. No, 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 nothing like that. No. So you can't smell a barbecue. No, nothing. I, I, if you put me in the middle of the dump now, I wouldn't have an ocean. I even like when I was doing the baby's nappies at the time, could not smell a thing. And unfortunately, that also meant they couldn't smell their little baby heads. 
Like I would kill to smell that. <laughs> Is that what you miss? The kind of yeah. baby powdery head on them? Yeah, that's it. That's it. They're all too old for that now. But yeah, that, that, I would have loved that. Flowers, yeah. nature, wildlife, yeah. all gone. Yeah, and I, yeah, so I've loved the flowers all around the house, inside the house and outside the house. People stop to look at them and they all go on, but it's gorgeous smell. I can't get it. Do you buy flowers? Are you happy with plastic ones? You'd be as well off with plastic flowers. I No, I buy, I like to buy them. <laughs> okay. And a bit of both. I, I, I like buying flowers. It's nice to have fresh flowers. So do you <laughs> mourn, do you mourn the loss? I did, I did. And sometimes, you know, we walk into Brown Thomas and, you you know, the perfume hall, I can't get a bit of it. Oh. Um, you know, that's a bit sad. But, like, there's worse senses to lose, really. Um, and I think, you know, for people who have lost their sense of smell, you eventually will start to appreciate the food in time. Um, obviously, like, you know, if you go somewhere like Italy or some, you know, some somewhere gorgeous like that where food is amazing, you're still going to enjoy it. You're just not going to get, like, the flavours. Well, it's nice not to get the um, it's not nice not to get the unpleasant smells. But say, for instance, yeah. I imagine there was a period of time when you'd remind yourself, "Oh, I can't, I can't smell that beautiful scented candle anymore." Oh, oh yeah. So I, um, you know, all the face creams and things like that. I've lost complete interest in those. I think a lot of those creams, the smell or the scent is 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 associated with them. So I, like, I'll, I'll just buy anything for my face now. Um, and is this yeah. reversible at any stage no. in your life? No, no it, it's nerve damage. So whatever virus it is um, kills the nerve endings in your nose and you just can't get it back. Now, I think for some people who have a little impairment, you can take zinc and some type of vitamin B, but they need to speak to the doctor at that. Gotcha. But, gotcha. Yeah, I tried. but the other thing actually, though, Neil, is it's very important. Um, like, obviously, my sense of smell was a virus and other people... It's COVID related, but it can be a brain injury or some issue with your brain. So if someone does lose their sense of smell, they're probably better off going to the doctor just to get it checked out. Get it checked out. Yeah. yeah. Don't assume that it's temporary or they will come yeah, back. Or COVID yeah. or whatever. You yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, it is like, obviously, it's best to get it checked out. Like I had brain scans and things at the time. Listen, it's an incredibly interesting topic of conversation. It really is. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, he holds tough. He he will he will become to appreciate. You know, obviously, it's a long term condition for him. He will eventually become to appreciate the food again. Like I'm eating all around me. You know, um, I do enjoy food, and I enjoy going to restaurants, and I enjoy wine and things like that. Can but, you taste wine? Um, I can. Like I could tell you now, a really vinegary. You know, if you had awful cheap wine, I wouldn't be able to drink it. But you, would you know the difference between wine and? Balsamic, for instance, if your eyes were closed, you would. Yeah, because balsamic has sweetness to it. Okay. Do you know, you know, you get the taste is very strong, believe it or not. But it's just it, it's very hard because if you can't smell a lot of things, what people think they taste, they're actually smelling. I know. I, I spoken years back. I, I don't know, sometime back with somebody. I just one particular aspect of a conversation sticks in my head. It was somebody who drank a glass full of vodka thinking it was water or, or some kind of a story no, like that no 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 no. <laughs> I would definitely know if I drank a glass of vodka and you get the fumes as well the witch you know, the, the fumes the fumes of the vodka like you can feel the fumes you know or you know if you're cleaning the oven most people will smell the oven cleaner I'll, I'll feel the fumes I just won't smell them you're supposed to clean an oven I've never done that you not get a <laughs> oh you do a lot I do, well as I said I do a lot of cooking so I would have to clean the oven a lot so if the house was burning down, would you smell it? No, no. And oh, like in my last house... So you wouldn't I hear a fire alarm? 
You'd no, hear, you know, you'd hear the fire alarm. What am I talking about? Well, you wouldn't the be able to. Alarm, but yeah, um, I had the last cooker. I had. I had to keep the door shut the whole time because the toddler used to turn on the or turn on the gas and walk off, and the gas would be spreading all over the place. I'm oh sure I wouldn't know any difference. You yeah. wouldn't smell it. Oh my god! Don't well, light yeah, a match. Well, it happened twice. Yeah. So then I just locked the kitchen door. Yeah. Are there support what? groups for people who've lost their sense of smell or taste? I, I I don't know. I think people just become used to it. You know, it's it's kind of. It's something you do mourn a little bit, but as I said, like there's so many things that could go wrong in your body that, you know. Yeah, okay, you, okay, you've adjusted annoying. to it, yeah. Yeah, but like I would love to taste pizza again properly, you know, and get a, get a lovely proper bolognese or a lasagna and taste the oregano. So if I was to send you a, a voucher for an oak fire pizza, maybe the meat feast from West Cork with a load of chilli up on top of it and the best of it, black and white pudding and ham and gorgeous things, would you taste it? Oh, well, um, I would try it. I would enjoy it. But I wouldn't taste all the little... Um, God, I can't believe you know the subtleties. I'm going se- yeah. to send you one anyway. And you can let that me know. so nice. Thank you so much. Not at all. We'll, we'll chat again after you've savoured it. Stay on the line there. We get a postal address. Get it sorted, all right? Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye, Don. Bye, bye. Oakfire Pizza on the way. Just as a bit of research. Can I just mention, I mean... Um, we, we all need to be very aware of what, what we're eating and the different supplements that we're taking. I, I, I get all of that. And a lot of it can be stuff that you juice yourself, whether you juice fruits or you juice vegetables or you make your own shakes and add protein powder to it. It's a very good idea. But if you ever look, because I, I need to be drinking, I need to be drinking more pomegranate juice for issues going on with my own health and it's apparently very, very good for you. But but I've been looking an awful lot at the different juices and some of them are in the chilled cabinets and some of them are dry goods in the Tetra Pak. But the juice contents in them are like 20%, 27% in some of them. Like I'm particularly talking about cranberry and pomegranate, which are very good for your health, really, really great. Um, but I'm just wondering, do, does anybody know, has anybody actually created a product which is 100% um, juice, where there's no sugar added and no additives, where it's literally pressed and pulped and bottled. It might be plastic, it might be glass, I don't know. Say 100%. I mean, imagine, like you can't get it in a supermarket. God knows I've tried them all. It's all 20 and 27% fruit content or juice content. The rest of it is crap, I suppose, that's added to it. But I'm quite, maybe online, there must be companies that has 100%, say in a two liter plastic um, dispenser, you know, that kind of thing. Um, anybody got any thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. probably get it chipped and maybe posted. Maybe that's the way forward. Because that's the stuff we need, isn't it? The 100%, not like with 27% no sugar added, because that just doesn't make sense when it comes to your health. It's one coming in already, www.raw.ie. It's an Irish company, 100% pomegranate juice. Comes in two litre plastic bottles, I suppose. 35 euro. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. Super stuff. So raw.ie is one of them. Somebody else is suggesting Biona organic products. They do a 100% juice. I get cranberry juice 100%. It's very important. It really and truly is. Otherwise, we're out there picking it ourselves and getting a big vat and stamping on it. And who'd want to be doing any of that? Anyway, from one type of uh, liquid to another. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Um, and this is to do with the pubs being closed and people who have actually given up the sauce, is it? I actually know quite a number of people uh, who have stopped drinking completely. Uh, they, they'd be what I call pub drinkers. Some of them would be seven-day-a-week men. 
and some of them would be four or five and big weekend drinkers and they don't and I think there's a lot of people like that that don't drink at home and the people that I know that have given it up I know a lot of them well the health benefits the way they look you would take 10 years off a lot of them they've got walking what's amazing is the way their skin complexion has so improved why what were they like that. beforehand R- ruddy and red faced was it? kind of red naturally when you give up the stop drinking you lose weight but just the skin complexion uh, look is amazing and I suppose like the, there was somebody texting to the show and a, a young lady said you can't tell people what to do I think she's 100% right but what I would like to know maybe in time in the future, Chris Luke or one of these guys, what the public health, the benefits of actually when you stop like these guys drinking, what are the benefits to your body? I never actually found that out myself when I stopped drinking. Like yeah. what are the actual benefits? You know, medically well, well, no, well, none. Body. Well, none really. If you don't, if you're not an abusive drinker in the sense you don't abuse your body, you'll yeah. just sail on. But for others, then um, chronic diseases, heavy yeah, heavy well, yeah. liver yeah. disease, issues with your organs and stuff like that. Yeah, but the improvement. What's amazing for me is to see these people that uh, some of them are heavy, heavy drinkers, and to see the improvement in their health is quite amazing. And why, if they were heavy drinkers, did they never take to drinking at home? I don't know. I think a lot of the, uh, the people I'm talking about now are 40s, 50s, 60s, and they wouldn't be in that 20, 30 age group who'd be home drinkers. I think there are older people uh, are not really, particularly people who live on their own, men uh, would prefer to go to the pub anyway, you know, on the social aspect of it. Gotcha. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the camaraderie, the social aspect, their mates, the chat, and yeah, point, yeah. their point, their draft drinkers, a lot of them, yeah? Six, eight pints a day. One man now that I would know quite well, he's six or eight or ten pints a day. And uh, it's incredible. He's like, and a lot of these people are in the building, painting, you know, outdoor work, a lot of them. And what's amazing for me is to see their benefits in their bodies and the way they look and their mental health and their well-being and their complexion is just amazing. But are any of them desperate to get back to the pub at the same time? Well, that's the big question. <laughs> like, I do think myself, like when they will open, which they will open in June or July, I think looking at the pictures on TikTok from London, I think there's going to be an absolute orgy here as well. I do think that. Because it's summertime, going to be outdoors and all that. Like, it's a bit like maybe these guys, maybe I remember reading about it when, years ago when you went off it for Lent, and on Easter Saturday or Easter Sunday, you went, it was like bazookas. That's going to be great, know? though. You know, that's just, people so deserve that. They do, but like the problems of heavy drinking, as I've discussed with you before, are terrible. Yeah, but the and, vast uh, majority of people aren't, don't have issues with yeah. alcohol. and. Um, but the, 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 the recent figures just out, uh, we are number nine. We are heading to number one top drinkers in the world with alcohol problems let's face call a spade a spade like there are a lot of people as you said who drink moderately and drink socially but there's a colossus 
colossal amount. We're number nine. Yeah, it depends on, yeah, but it depends, everything has a label now in this world and it depends on how seriously you take the labels. Like the research said that three in four Irish drinkers believed that they were light to moderate drinkers. But because of these labels that people put on, particularly binge drinking, the label of binge drinking, like binge drinking could be, you know, um, six or eight pints a week. You could be deemed a binge drinker. Um, mm. Like the, 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 the three and four who believed that they were moderate were technically deemed, because of labels, hazardous consumers of alcohol. But like I wouldn't regard someone who drinks six or yeah. eight or nine pints a week as a hazardous drinker. Yeah, I don't really look at the people that I... Even 10 pints a week is a hazard. I wouldn't like, should I? That's just... No, I wouldn't. But there are certain people that I know, like, that that drink seriously heavy. You know by their face and their complexion that they drink a lot at home. There are people like that. But what I am saying, like, the positive message for me is, as somebody who gave it up and had a problem with it, is to see these people that are really big pub drinkers and uh, improvements in their health is absolutely phenomenal. I hear I'm sure what, what I am saying, a lot of medics and a lot of people in the healthcare business would like what I'm saying. And I think maybe in time, when you get time to do a public thing with Chris Luke, the benefits of uh, scaling back or putting out alcohol is huge for mental and physical well-being. I get a bu- I get grief now to be talking about cutting out alcohol because um, you I'm know, not talking, well, people I'm don't like. You have a, yeah, I, I know people that. don't like being you lectured did. to. You know. No, I'm not. And the lady is right, as I said that, and she is 100 percent right. The lady who went on Twitter and said, "Don't tell me to give up drink, or don't tell me." I'm not telling anybody. I'm only laying out the facts of my story, which I laid out to you before. Yeah. On Red FM, and I'm laying out today the people, the circle of people that I know, ten or twelve people that have given up, that are pub drinkers, that have cut out alcohol. How'd you cope in the last in the last twelve months? To to you, because routine is important to you. I found I found it very in the recent time, particularly in the last two months in March and this month, I found it extremely difficult. I got huge. Uh, pangs and urges for alcohol. And what was that like? Oh, sure, I'm grand. I have this kicked. I have it licked. I can have a drink, is it? You never have it licked because... It's oh, but is like, that, what, you, is that what the monkey was telling you, like? Like, like? I suppose it's probably something to do with stress and your own body. Is that the, For me, when I was stressed, I, and even still, I like a drink when I'm stressed and I get that anxious feel for a drink when I'm uh, stressed or uptight about things or whatever. And... Uh, like naturally, the lockdown went on so long that I think the longer it went on, the worse for people who are addicted to alcohol. But did you find yourself uh, contemplating a trip to the off-license? Oh, yeah. You'd like a drink and you like it comes into your head. But there's the saying, this too will pass. And that's what I've learned. And it does. It comes into my head and uh, it has come into my head. I had a bereavement of my family recently, and that was very, very difficult, you know. Yeah. Because you know the the you know the, it's a very stressful time, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know it's hard. So, it, in a nutshell, the last year for anybody that's addicted to drugs or alcohol, and often like me, has been extremely hard. Okay. And the longer it goes on, you know, now you can see a bit of light in the tunnel. And it's good. And the, the weather as well is getting better. I found, I think like a lot of people, from October to 
even to now, cold and wet. Yeah. And today, you know, you wake up and it's lovely. Well, you know and what? I'll leave, you, I'll leave you on this thought. I got a lovely text in yesterday. I didn't get a chance to read it, but somebody was out at the lock and the swallows have returned to the lock. Isn't that a sign of summer, the swallows? Exactly. And they're saying that May to July, the weather is going to be great. That's what they're saying. <laughs> Thank, the you Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Vincent. Thanks. Stay Thanks in touch. You. Good luck. Take care. Bye-bye. You heard it from the horse's mouth. The swallows are at the lock. And Vincent said that the summer is going to be fantastic. Back after the break on 1850-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Owen, good morning. How you doing? Good. Regards to you all in Munich, Germany. Actually, don't know where to start with you because there's so many strings to your bow. I mean, you left Cork, I'm calculating, 28 years ago. Am I right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And ended up working for Airbus. So on that basis, you have thoughts about Cork Airport and the length of the runway, I say. I mean, it's so much easier, Kate, flying from Munich to Cork than it is obviously going through Dublin. Hmm. You know, Dublin's a great city, don't get me wrong, Kay, but it takes two and a half hours to fly from Munich to Dublin. Well, you know the way it is when you're you're an expat and you want to come home, you want to be home as fast as you can and you don't want to be making connections with Dublin or Shannon. You want to come into a Cork airport and have the family there waiting for you. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you've got kids and the battery uh, on the iPads and they're playing in the air in the air and the, the, in the flight yeah. it maybe lasts over two and a half hours and then you got to say to them no you got to sit tight now and walk yeah. away on the cranes and the piece of paper then okay for the next three and a half hours on the bus and were you making you know, connections I, between Munich direct into Cork I know there was a there was a flight from Rome to Cork at one stage when your self and your wife a baby arrived very quickly didn't it within uh, like six months that's right yeah we were the idea was okay we'd um We'd head down to Rome and meet uh, my wife's uh, sister who was living in Australia, traveling from Australia to England. Oh, look, we'll meet her um, in Rome because her husband at the time, okay, was Australia, had never been to Rome mm-hmm. and uh, was, you know, probably, you know, been an exciting experience for him. Your wife was six months but, gone at that stage, wasn't she? Yeah, and everything was fine and, you know, it was second day by this stage. Um, yeah, and then just literally, then, I mean, she's, if there's, she's not, she was never one of okay, for sitting down when the sun was shining outside. So when she decides, okay, when it's 30 plus degrees outside, okay, that she fancies staying in and not going for a walk, like, I, I just suspected there was something wrong. Wow. They look seriously wrong. Yeah. Next thing we call, then you the, the emergency doctor, like, and she took one look, obviously, and saw the bump on top. How far gone you? And, uh, of course, like we're saying, look, we're six months and on the rest of it. He says, look, maybe let's just go around to the, head off now to the, take the ambulance down uh, to the local hospital. And uh, four days later, then, uh, Blake was born in, uh, he was 26 weeks and four days. September yeah. 2011. And that meant That's that right, he yeah. was probably in hospital for nearly three months after that, I'd say, was he? 72 days. And did you, and, and all well though, I mean, he got the best of care and he's hale and hearty and thrived. But during that period, you came home, didn't you, with your other son, was that right? I did, yeah. I, uh, so, I mean, the thing is, we, obviously, we, you know, there's a lot of chopping and changing. We didn't really have fixed accommodation. The accommodation we had pretty much expired the day after and my wife went into hospital. And of course, we had an 11-month-old son there too as well. So that was kind of stressful. And he hadn't started speaking yet, so you can imagine. He's so 11 months spiced. between the two kids. Wow, yeah. Yeah, Irish, Irish twins, basically, you know. <laughs> you know, so, at a time like that, with all that going on in your life, it's you'd love to be home, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have to say, my, you know, when you're in your situation, it's uh, there's nothing like a good crisis to find out okay, what you're what you're made of. You know, you, know, you wouldn't wish it. 
yeah. You know, and, uh, but yeah. in the end, so we had visitors. My parents came to Rome. Uh, her parent, her mom came to Rome. And, of course, friends came to Rome to visit too as well. And um, But at one point, when, when her friend came to visit, I thought, you know what, let's just bring... Uh, uh, um, my eldest Dylan at the time came home and to visit the grandparents who were in Cork yeah. and the thing about it is like you know I tell you the thing I remember most about that I got on the aircraft in Rome and I saw the green Aer Lingus uniform and this is something about and it's not saying that there's something for green I'm honestly <laughs> no it's home um, represents home yeah. 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 yeah but I looked at their faces and it's the one thing about Aer Lingus staff and it's always been the case okay, is they are sort of they have life experience which means they look at you and they go, if I make your life easier, you'll make my life easier. So it was a and beautiful thing. Can't. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing then flying into Cork Airport. No wonder it has a special yeah. place in anybody's heart when they're living overseas, you know. And that's why you want it minded and hope that it will that it'll blossom and grow again when we get out of COVID, isn't it? I mean, it is, it is a crying shame, really, that uh, you have such a fine air, airport there. And look, you know, I'm in an industry too as well, like where, you know, money talks and it's all about the customer and what they want. And you know, supply and demand, I get that. Um, but it doesn't stop people being nostalgic. And, you know, I, I remember that airport cave before the, the new terminal cave was built. It was a shabbier version of what we have. There was uh, plenty of you know, plenty of people coming through there too as well, okay, with uh, sorrow, sorrow and joy, you know. Yeah, it had its character. Own, you know? It had its character. It served its purpose. And we look at it nostalgically. You know, um, it's amazing the amount of aircrafts you're in the industry that are parked up all over the world now. Will they all get Absolutely. back in? Will they all get back in the air? The first thing we got to do is uh, we got to get vaccinated. Yeah, and then once we're vaccinated, I think slowly but surely, when we do it sensibly, and most people are doing it sensibly, you know, um, you only have to hope and pray okay, that uh, they'll come back with a bang. I mean, China's uh, economic growth at the moment is is I think as well as they what they record in the first is eighteen percent. So. Yeah. I, I realize they're supplying to us. Like, I mean, surely we can do better than the sort of the, the anemic sort of few, few percent of that we were dealing with before the pandemic, you know, and mm-hmm. when we've got Brexit sorted. There's a, there's a lot of uh, handicaps in front of us, but I think um, get, the, get the vaccine sorted. Yeah. That's the most important thing. And let me, let me ask that. you finally, having been away 28 years, do you get used to being away that long or do you still miss home or the aspects of Cork that you miss? No. No, I think this is the one thing about uh, living away. Uh, you know, a first generation in any case. I mean, I'd have gone to Timbuktu after uh, my uh, university. I didn't care where I went. You could have sent me to the, to the moon. I didn't care. I, to me, it was just something new. Um, but when you start having kids, and your kids are asking about granddad and granny, mm. and then you're sort of like, you look at them and you think one foot back, still back in Ireland. Yeah. And one foot still sitting in the country. So that, that's hard. Do you think what there'll you be mean, ever a person? time when you'll have both feet back in Ireland? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, the Germans are great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, there's nothing better coming to Cork Airport like after coming off a flight that's come from, that's come from Germany. And I mean, I don't look terrible Irish. now. I've got a bald head. You can imagine coming off a German, a German, you know, an aircraft that's come from a German country or from from Germany, surrounded by German-speaking passengers, and he looks at me and goes, "Okay, what?" And he looks at my passport, biometric, and it says Irish, and he goes, "Oh yeah," and I'll say, 
How's it going? He goes, man, yeah, I need you by me. That's it. Like, so there's a certain amount of identity in that. Like, yeah, I know. I you know. know. And you haven't lost the like either. Like at the end of your sentences. No, <laughs> okay. no I'm clinging, I'm clinging on to that. Okay, for dear life. All right. Honestly. You know okay. <laughs> well, listen, stay listening. And it's great to chat with you. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk again. All right. Cheers, Neil. Take care, Owen. All right. Take care. Bye. Attention shoppers, if you need a little help with that weekly shop, then call Red FM right now on 1850 104 106 to claim your prize with Tesco Home Delivery. Thank you and okay. have a nice day. You know what to do, call her 10 apparently on 1850 104 106. Pick up the phone now, a 300 euro Tesco shopping voucher. Just a fairly straightforward multiple answer question for you. You'll have no bother with it. Morning, Neil. Hope you're doing well across the pond. And this is from the Netherlands, from the great Pat Cronin. The show's been fantastic the last number of weeks. Keep it up, including the more relaxed, kind of sentimental Friday shows. Don't always get to hear the live, but the podcasts are a godsend during lockdown. I have a birthday boy in the house who loves getting back to Cork. He turns 16 tomorrow. Aideen. Aidan? Help me to pronounce that. I'm awful on pronunciation and names. He'd love Neil to give him a shout out on the air. He also wants to give a virtual hug to his granny, Becky, in Holly Hill. Uh, keep safe. We're coming out of this horrible pandemic slowly but surely. Have you got, can you hear me? Have you got a pair of headphones? I'm going to spell this for you pronounce it because I want to get it right for Pat. A-E-D-E-N. Aiden? Aiden, I'd imagine, is it? Just spelled differently with an E? I'd say so, yeah. Beautiful name. Like a, sounds like a very old, old name, yeah, doesn't lovely, it? lovely, isn't it? Yeah, almost like Norse or Scandinavian, you know? I'm presuming now. Someone might correct me, but it's... Like it. a Viking. It's gas talking to you through a mask. I know. I hate it. <laughs> I actually hate it. But you know what? I can actually tell when you're <laughs> smiling and laughing, which is nice, because you smile with your eyes, so... Like everybody or me, because I don't... I'm accused of being grumpy-faced. You? No, you, because so I can tell. Well, you also throw your head back when you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know a, way too much about me. I know, yeah, I'm getting all the cues here. But yeah, no, I think when that's the thing I kind of miss, that you can't see people's manners or, you know, their faces. Like, remember the years ago women burned their bras? Will you burn your mask? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. This is for another day, but my skin is, is really dry. And I wear the daily disposables because I can't breathe through the other ones. Um, and uh, my skin is really, really dry and awful. I, I know that at the start, a lot of the healthcare workers were complaining of oh, bad no. skin and stuff. I'm not getting bad skin, but it's unbelievably dry and flaky. Like under, I don't know if anyone else. I have a confession to make. I have the yeah. same mask in the car. You know, the little cup holders, I yeah. keep it in there. Same one, it's a red FM black one. And uh, I've never washed it or cleaned it, and I must be using the same mask. Is that the one you, what have you on? Oh, you've, oh, you've known on in studio, obviously. How can I wear a mask in an on hair studio? I know, I forgot. I forgot. This is the program, right? But that's not the one you wear all the time. You wear yeah, the it's the same one. You're not serious. The black one in the car. That's disgraceful. Should I be washing it? <laughs> or throwing it away? I don't know. I actually have to get some designer ones because this, these are wrecking my head. Oh, oh the yummy mummy with from. the designer mask. <laughs> I oh, I love I it. I know, but I do find that an awful lot of women are looking great. That some of the black ones look fabulous, especially if you've great eye makeup done and stuff. You the know, black masks or the black women? The black masks. Oh, I see. And black women all okay. look fabulous. But yeah, there you go. All right. How do we get on to that? <laughs> no how do you pronounce Aiden? All right, thanks for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure they think that, they think that I'm losing my mind sometimes. <laughs> And away, the band away, the band away, the bow. Trevor's in Mallow. Trevor? Hi, how's it going, Neil? How are this you? This is very straightforward now, right? Yeah. Find the feckin' paperwork for it. What do I do with the paperwork for Oh, here it is. So I'm going to give you three options. You get the right one. It's either A, B, or C. I give you a 300 euro voucher for Tesco. Any idea what you'd spend it on? Probably the drinks aisle, I suppose, is it? 
I say the missus will take it off me and she'll spend it. And proper order. She'll put it to much better use than you. I think so, yeah. Okay, my friend. Here is your question. Very straightforward. Up to what time of the day will Tesco Home Delivery deliver straight to your door? Okay? Until what time of the day will they deliver straight to your door? Is it A... 11 p.m., B, 4 p.m., or C, 4 a.m.? I would think uh, A, 11. Are you saying 11 p.m.? 11 p.m., yeah. You sure you don't want to change your mind? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, wait, wait, say it again, Tony. No, I don't, I don't think you should, actually. Just right, right. stay where you are. <laughs> <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were going to change your mind. You are right. 11 p.m. Will you tell your missus that I want to post her a 300 euro Tesco weekly shopping voucher, all right? I really need you to send a no problem. <laughs> Cheers, my man. Thanks for listening. Take care. Okay. Thanks, sir. More Bye. opportunities right across the day to scoop 300 euro vouchers. Don't touch that dial. One fast birthday request. Please wish Caroline O'Sullivan from Clan a happy birthday from Dave and the kids, Callum, Mia, and Nathan. So happy, happy birthday. I told you earlier on this morning that Jim Steinman died yesterday at the age of 73. And I allowed it up to you guys. Honest to God now, this is on the square uh, you guys chose we asked you to text which John, Jim Steinman song you would like to hear and I know that I was encouraging people to go for the Bonnie Tyler Total Eclipse of the Heart but I don't believe I influenced anybody I never influence anyone in my life no matter how hard I try um, so it was um, in a text poll the most requested Jim Steinman song so I love you and leave you with that Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart, and she managed to do it, many others couldn't. She followed it up with a second hit, Holding Out for a Hero, and uh, of course that was written by Jim Stein. I was always amazed at her voice, such a powerful voice, making it a super power ballad, if you like. Another powerful voice is the voice of Pat Falvey. Some lovely texts. After listening to Pat Falvey, I feel anything is possible today. Thank you, thank you. Another one, the gentleman is an inspiration. I had the pleasure of climbing Caron Tour with Pat in 2016. Had a great day, and the stories he told us made it all the better. One of the most enjoyable days out I ever had. So just some texts and kind words for the great Pat Falvey. Lines will stay open on uh, 0868104106 by text. You can always email if you have a story to share. Email neil at redfm.ie. Lovely text here. Just in relation to your recommendations on shows to watch, you recently recommended some fantastic shows, including It's a Sin. I found it to be very authentic and sad. Then I heard you talking about Sherpa. Also, fantastic recommendation. I would recommend to you Last Breath on Netflix, a true story documentary film. I won't say anything about it, but I think you'd love it. Love the show, says Eric. Thank you for that. I love recommendations. Can I give two? Might talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. Two great movies, two great films, really super, super films. The Mauritanian about Guantanamo Bay and Nomad Land, a dark, dark movie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.